at the center of the universe. At the border between the light and the dark stands Castle Grayskull. For countless ages, the heroes of Grayskull have defended the universe against the forces of evil. Walk through the Hall of Living Pictures and learn the history and mystery of the masters of the universe. Dive deep into the mythology of Eternia, Etheria, and more. For those who know the stories of Grayskull will come the power. The power to be supreme. The power to be all-knowing. The power to be... Legends of Grayskull. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 14 of Legends of Grayskull, the fan podcast where we discuss the history, the mystery, the magic, and mythology of He-Man, She-Ra, Eternia, Etheria, Primus, Nordor, New Adventures, Old Adventures, Netflix Adventures, anything and everything you can think of with that Mattel <laughs> logo, Masters of the Universe, Princess of Power, and even Mike Young Productions on it. I'm Matthew Dooch. I'm here with Sean Scavarno over on the other side there. Uh, Sean, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. I'm actually excited. This is our very first episode where we are not alone. It's we not are, just the two of us. It's not just the two of us. And that's what this nice graphic beside me is here. Uh, this is our stand-in. We are joined today by a special guest host. Uh, you, he's been around the Masters community a very long time. Uh, he's worked on the Dark Horse stuff. He's he's a font of information 2000x trivia master. He's the only mm-hmm. two-time Legends of Grayskull no prize winner. Ladies and gentlemen, yes. <laughs> I present to you our special guest host, Yuka Isaacanen. Yuka, how are we doing today? I'm doing good, and as a reigning champion of the no prize, uh, <laughs> thanks for inviting me. It's um, been a very very long time since i've been on a podcast either as a creator or host or guest or what have you so i may be very rusty and will talk out of my ass many many times but hopefully (laughs) the listeners will still enjoy it we have built the whole podcast on talking out of our butts so oh yeah yeah (laughs) and i did forget about that that is the one thing I forgot in that intro that I wanted to slip in there because the first time I listened to you was, I believe it was called the Masters Comic Cast, if I'm recalling it correctly. Yes. Uh, for the DC comics that were coming out years ago. Yeah, that was uh, the first venturing in um, completely new, uh, like our own mm-hmm. little podcast, I think, uh, Rob Base from. Yep. Roast Google Dinner was uh, the main guy handling it, and um, I think he he wanted it to be, as I recall, a longer uh, format where we'd go into the – at the time, because it was a big deal that we got – first they announced in, uh, that there will be the three – 30th anniversary mini comics yep. with classics figures and all and that already was like huge huge thing at the time in the fandom and then they got the information that also DC comics will 
make this six issue miniseries. And I, I just, I was so excited that we're, we're getting actual uh, proper media as the bios were still a new, relatively new thing. And I wasn't, I was I was warming up to it, shall we say, because uh, some of the early ones they sort of muddied the uh, canon and information on some things. So I ended up always talking with fans and having to be like that. Well, this stems from there, and that line is from this and this, and these ha- have nothing to do with each other. But the the comics were something that I was like really into, and I was like, okay, three. Mini comics, uh, six regular issues, and um, I was like, okay, so nine episodes, limited thing. I can, we can do this. I, I'll, okay. I'll have the attention span for nine episodes at okay. least. And and I, uh, we started, and they um, also, I think, later announced in the information that there would also be the uh, digital only. Yeah, well, those uh, issues. So they they started yeah. with those first, and those kind of um, came out of nowhere. I remember that because that first one popped up on Comicsology, and initially we all thought it was actually the first issue of that miniseries because it was yeah. close to release date. It was like only a couple weeks before, and we thought we were just they were just releasing it digitally earlier, and then they're like, "Oh no, we've got this whole it was this whole thing of." Of digital comics, so that that was a surprise. God, I remember those days. It was great. Yeah, it was uh, the 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 whole yeah, the, getting getting very nostalgic to something like 2012. So <laughs> I mean, okay, all, almost a decade, but yeah, yeah, yeah it's um, um, it was a uh, very wild times because uh, they yeah, the digital the first one came out and then like. In two weeks, maybe three weeks, suddenly the um, second one came, and and they switched up. If I recall, I think it was meant to be Battle Cat, but then it became actually Man at Arms. And uh, it, these these were like it was like Wild West, and you yeah. didn't know what the heck was going on, and and how long the mm. digitals would be going. There there was no info like that. This is one out of seventeen or right. any anything, and. And at the same time, we just had gotten the first issue of the mm, horrible, horrible amnesia storyline. Yes, yes. So I, I have so many pet peeves about it, but <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll try and be short about it in in the sense that it 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 wanted to start something new during a time when the classics were making their own stories. So there was the confusion that where do these stories fit in? What are these stories even? Mm-hmm. And since the digitals, they didn't seem to tie in with the actual first miniseries. So it right. was also like, well, which one goes where? And the amnesia storyline, I keep telling people years and years after when the the comics were coming out and I, I had the... DC Comics, I had a blog and a website, uh, the, the Facebook Human Eternity War, and mm. I we kept updating the information, and I had some very good contacts with the writer, draw illustrator, and uh, colorist, and made some fun interviews with them. 
But I, I just on a personal level, I, I kept always saying that skip the first yes. story arc because yes. you all the information you will get as long as you also uh, check the DC crossover that is yeah. handling uh, especially the Orco topic much much better, mm-hmm. and uh, they they were getting. They they had a very rough start, but they got better the more they went along. Okay. But it's like the amnesia storyline. It it should have um, how should I say it? Make uh, more effort in basing that. What is the world? How, where does everything stand? And and because the one of the easiest. Um, story aspects in movies and whatever is like you need to have the um what's the word like the audience the viewpoint yeah you need to have a character who is sort of the that audience can relate and they can experience this new world or this adventure with them but they didn't do that. No. They sort of expected <laughs> that that you have to know something already about masters, but at the same time, they changed so many of in-universe rules yeah. that you couldn't like rely on anything. That oh, this is clearly two thousand based, or yeah. this is clearly filmation based, or or no, it's from yeah. the golden books or the mini comics, or it is. It was like. Ah, so and frustrating. It, and it's funny because what you just said about ignore the amnesia storyline and go to the ongoing, I think just what a couple episodes, Sean, I brought up that I brought, I said exactly the same thing. So yeah, we're right yeah. there with you. Um, but yeah, well, it was an exciting time for masters. And I've always said the biggest problem with all of that is that DC was doing basically the end of masters, you know, leading up to eternity war and everything. But like you said, that initial ongoing didn't let anybody know they were doing the end, you know, the end times of masters. So once, once they got going and found their rhythm, that, uh, that is an amazing series. And that is like the, that's like the one, well, that and the NBC comics, those are those two topics that me and Sean are like, those, those ones we need to get to sooner rather than later that we haven't touched mm-hmm. on yet. Yeah. Well, it's it's one of those things and um uh side note you can edit this out if you want or keep it in but <laughs> I mean they they really with the DC comic they didn't know how far they were probably going to get because uh they came very close to canceling it right before issue 13 which uh, is the start of the whole King Grayskull story arc, which people right. did like. And that's the thing that also started more gearing up to it for the Eternity War. Mm-hmm. But they they had some rough moments, and it, it came very close to getting uh, cancelled, oh, sure. but they, they negotiated uh, something and got it continued, and then even the Eternity War, they had like 16 issues or 15, I forget. Yeah, something like that. The Maxi series, I remember that that phrase. It was the first time I'd heard that one. But yeah. Mm-hmm. But the Eternity War, that's that's when things started going, you know. Oh, great series. Um, so, tell us a little bit, Yuka. If, if, I mean, I, I, I've known you in name, 
and from your posts, since I can remember on the He-Man.org uh, forums and everything else. So uh, if you want to uh, uh, briefly tell us kind of about your introduction to Masters, I assume you were a fan from the 80s on. Um, and then today we're going to discuss 2000X, so maybe a little bit about how you got into 2000X, if you were at, it, at the beginning, ready to go like me. Or if you're a grumpy old man like Sean who took a while to come around. <laughs> oh, I was a sweet 16, 17 years old when that came around. So <laughs> I, I was uh, at the time one of the youngest uh, members on Hima.org forums. So you're, so. so you're actually closer in age to me than you are Sean then because I was in high school when that came out. I was. I'm born in '85. Mm, one year older. Okay. Yeah. I am 80, 84. Yeah. 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 So, the okay. the the height of Masters toy sales yeah. in America. Yep. Uh, but yeah. Yep. So uh, in Finland, we got the uh, filmation cartoon on TV, and uh, toys came out in stores, just regular places you would go. Um, then we also had a translated comic, which I've uh, mentioned a couple times, that was a sort of defining thing for me, how I adjusted myself as a kid already. Uh, because uh, there, there's the age-old question at some uh, with some fans that, what brought you into this fandom? And it's uh, the one I see most is is like, are you older enough to be like from the first mini comics and the box art and all that? Or are you a cartoon person? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that that's, that's like the interesting uh, dividing thing. I mean, it's uh, something that shouldn't obviously divide anyone, but it's uh, it's the easiest and closest that people can Yep. make a distinction yeah. but it, at the same time when people are fans they can like it's it's always very fascinating and i'm whenever i'm talking with another uh fan i'm it's it's very curious to learn something that they talk about mm -hmm. their hobby and what toys they played with and but at the same time they might go like I didn't know there was a ninja guy in the toy line. <laughs> yeah. And I, um, being born in 84, uh, there were master's toys around in 88, 89. So it, it still was very effective uh, because I, one of the um, most often um, childhood memories that I've quoted on, I think, one book was it the Roger Sweet one? Mm -hmm. No, no, that was that was something else. But uh, and a couple podcasts and um, on websites. So is that I got uh, the vintage Castle Grayskull when uh, I was four years old, uh, mm -hmm. Christmas '88, and it, it was like such a huge impact. I I actually had no clue that uh, that was the big package that was well i was a, a youngest child of the whole uh, slew of relatives so i knew that it must be for me but i had no clue that <laughs> it would 
be that. And uh, my father was opening the package, and there are a couple photos where I'm like just very stunned looking at it, and, yeah. <laughs> and others where we have the instructions, and yeah. obviously the adults had to actually start looking at how you put it together because i was just running wild Mm -hmm. no i got i got the same thing i've got the pictures from my birthday of and i've shown them on here before of me uh getting castle grayskull and just being stunned uh remember when they kept toys in the store for more than like three months like (laughs) that was great yeah it's a it's those nostalgic times and um Going back to it, uh, yeah, there, there were many of those that the Castle Grayskull placed it, it. It looked closer to the Filmation version. And the Filmation one was where I based most of the mythos that I had about the characters. And that's why I'm so grateful that Filmation wasn't a just a 20-minute toy ad i mean if if you think that if you if if you think that it's a toy ad then they did a poor poor job like come on four 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 to five characters always no variant costumes Mm -hmm. no new vehicles until like second season no new characters maybe and if they pop up i mean it's like one episode or background like what is this this is a very poor commercial like People, people, they just, they they want to <laughs> rag on the show, but it's like uh, they they don't maybe remember most of the episodes, so it's it's more of a generalization thing. Right. But that's that was the basis. I, that's what I bring and, up all um, the time: is it's is it's <laughs> they they have not revisited the show. They're going off what other people say, and you know the characters you remember, the secondary characters are ones that weren't even available as toys. You know, you you remember the Malactas, the Lord Masses, Cody, Lizard Man, like, and they were never even in the toy stores. So no, we're we're right there with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but it's it's like you you may think someone like Many Faces from all other media like posters and comics, mini comics and whatnot. He only had like three episodes. Mm-hmm. Mossman has maybe three episodes right. as as well, I think. So it's it's like that. Yeah. T- on on that perspective, they're on the same line. But you'd ask people, do they remember Mossman? They might not, but they can remember many faces because he was one of the earlier mm-hmm. characters. Um, but yeah, the comics we got uh, in Finland, they they were translated, and they had. Uh, stories. They had the DC miniseries mm-hmm. three-parter, uh, slightly edited, mostly because it, it was in in one uh, giant comic. Oh, that wow. that was one of the good things in Finnish uh, comics. I'm not sure if it's still on today, but I mean, uh, our regular comic would be closer to the 30 or 40 pages. You'd actually get a nice. proper story and no ads in between. Mm. In in versus when I later would get uh, my first American comics actually were the MV Creations 2002, yeah. He-Man Comics, and I'm like, what is this? There's like <laughs> six, six, 16, 18 pages of the actual comic and there's a whole bunch of these ads and this is so flimsy. So like, I mean, because it, it was a very culturally different thing uh, because the, yeah, in, in Finland, they, they 
it, it's not like a trade, but it was a bit of a thicker comic, and um, Sounds- so you actually had a full story arc at times. Sounds more and, like um, the, like the UK annuals, or more like a magazine for us than a comic. Really. Yeah, might might be closer to that. Yeah. So they 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 had uh, material from there was the DC miniseries in one issue. Mm-hmm. But it mostly it was the UK stories okay. and the UK ones. I mean, they they had uh, also from the German um, uh, stories later on when they had their there's there's a whole website by Aid and Cross. So I I suggest everyone go <laughs> look at the Masters UK comic site yes. but it's a um, I still have to catch the, up on all those and uh I'll drop a link down below there if you're watching this on YouTube or pod, or listening to Podbean um I'll drop a link down below to that website so you guys can easily find it yeah but those those comics that I mean the the UK comics they're they're not set in filmation they they are their very much own story and later also when they started uh Coming with the German, no, that, yes, the German stories. Those also had uh, at that point a different artist altogether, so it was uh, much more fantastical, uh, very organic looking. When when the earlier stories they they had maybe a bit more medieval look, right. but all already from that I was like, okay, the something that happens in cartoon. Yeah. does not get referenced in the comic necessarily and vice versa and clearly this isn't like something that I can oh this ha- these events happen after this episode <laughs> or one so I at a very young age I already already had this like I need to separate these compartmentalize mm-hmm. everything this is not a one cohesive story there everything's like a spider web there's it's going in so many different directions and sometimes sometimes they may uh interject with others and come together and <clears throat> but it's it's like with the mini mini comics it's there clearly are wave one stories yes. there's wave two stories mm-hmm. and and uh, I think I've mentioned it at some point that around when the evil horde is introduced in mini comics, Mattel was gearing up more with actual like plan that okay, now we're going forward with this theme, and we actually mm-hmm. have a grasp on everything. Yeah, and but that's, um, that's interesting the way that that came out because, like I said, like I've said before on the show, Sean, that's more Sean's view of everything because. He was that way where he he remembered the first wave and then the the records came out, then DC came out, then Filmation came out. But for me, all that like learning about the different uh, the different continuities didn't really happen until the internet when I was able to go back and see all the different mini comics and all the UK stuff and everything. Um, one thing I want to ask real quick here that with the toys and everything, were you? Over in Finland, were you guys pretty much on the same release schedule as the U.S., or were you, like, pushed back, do you know? Like, were the waves coming out around the same time? Uh, That's actually something I haven't uh, researched all that much. I mean, I personally had 
uh, most of the later f- uh, wave figures. So Sorcerer's Clamchamp, uh, Randor, right. and Extendar Rotar. Um, I I did have like He-Man, Skeletor, Teela Man at Arms, but I never had like a trap jaw. Mm-hmm. Like most. Mm. Uh oh. Yuka, you all right? Sean, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. I lost Yuka there. Still showing him here. Mm-hmm. Let me send him a message. And I'll give a shout out right quick here while we're we're waiting to see what happened. Um, and this this is the the fan art here that I used for Yuka. That's from. Uh, Eric Marshall, Jibagak on the He-Man.org forums, he did that as, he's actually got a whole thread of them over there of unofficial unofficial fan bios. Um, so that, that's And that's a character he made based on Yuka, so we're using that as a stand-in uh, since we only had audio for Yuka. <laughs> yep, he says now he can't mm. hear us either. So <laughs> weird. Let's give it a minute, see if he can get back in here. And uh, let me send him a message, see if he wants to uh, drop out and come back in. Oh, we were doing so good for a while there, and now we had you know a couple episodes ago we had we had you drop out before I showed off my uh, my custom there, and then uh, yeah, my PTSD right <laughs> that damn fish. <laughs> All right, he's, he's okay. Hey! Now, there now he is. I can at least he's hear you back. guys. That's yeah, we can hear you now too. That was weird, and you. Even in my recording software here, there was there was nothing on the volume there for a minute, so that was weird. <laughs> hmm. Curious. My microphone still had the light on and didn't accidentally unmute or anything. So yeah, it's uh, maybe I have the very old going to despondus that Roast Couple oh, had. Uh, I was thinking that with Eamon. The old yeah. Eamon, yeah, it would. It would kick him out. I forgot about that, man. I got to tell you, you know what? If you're, if you're a newer fan to this community, there is such a long history here. Like, talking to you guys and everything is just like, stuff pops up in my mind I haven't thought about in years. Um, especially going 2000X uh, uh, tonight. Uh, I, I, the one thing I was thinking about, Yuka, I don't know if you remember, Sean, if you ever stumbled across this, 
You remember back when 2000X was airing, uh, somebody, and I can't remember who, used to do, like, music videos for episodes after they came out. Um, they did, uh, like, It's My Life by Bon Jovi for, to the Courage of Adam and, like, Flight of the Bumblebee to Skywar. You remember those? <laughs> mm, those ones seen. are by John. John Callis, uh, The Shadow? Yeah, he... Yeah. Did maybe three, and later there's a German fan, Frank Oftring, Ofti. Uh, he did like on Baywatch theme and uh, po- Poison, um, some very, uh, some also on filmation uh, topics. I think I have a couple of them still on my old hard drive. They they were very wonderfully done. I mean, they were, especially for in the in, a, in a time when he had to like record the clips from VCR mm-hmm. to computer and then edit. And I'm not sure even what editing software where he used, but I mean, they they were done very well. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, John John Callis did the couple. The ones you mentioned mm-hmm. from 2000 awesome. X. He he was uh, the one <clears throat> when I whenever a new episode would come out, he would take screen captures mm-hmm. of the episode, and everyone was just like dying to see how a new mm-hmm. character looked or an old familiar with new. But yeah, um, I remember that those re- those discussion threads. He started them right before the episode aired, and as the episode was airing, he was putting stuff up there. And especially the overseas fans who just could not watch it anyway were always just, like, constantly posting and, you know, everything. And, and oh, what's happening now? You know, and people people were putting this, you know, typing what's happening on the episode. It was it was a frenzied time for Masters back when this show was coming out. So um, how was it for you guys over in Finland? Were you guys on track with us or were you delayed? Um, well, the episodes came to Europe one year later, and um, but I mean, I, I was since I had gone online around '98 uh, at, at school actually, and I think '99 we got a computer with a 56k modem <laughs> at, at at our house. So though those were my first uh, going to. Alta Vista and uh, Ask Jeeves <laughs> and all, all mm-hmm. that stuff and finding He-Man sites yeah. which, which basically were um, I think I mentioned it in one of my videos that it was the He-Man.org uh, and then Bustan Zadox uh, the episode review website and then Masters Unbound which was a holy trinity mm-hmm. they all had their own different aspects but at the time I geared mostly to James's website because it had the um, in in a in a time when we didn't know how many episodes there were and no yeah. not everyone had seen everyone all the filmation and so when they did their Every Saturday at uh, 12 uh, on the noon at uh, UK, but it was 2 p.m. here. I knew to find a new review yeah. of a, a he or a Shira episode, and you could read the synopsis for the story. Uh, then 
<clears throat> James had the commentary thing mm -hmm. where he would go over animation things and techniques and something like, oh, here's a same scene used or here's an interesting. And you had the sound files and, yeah. and then later also the video files, which is like MPEG and at like two minutes and yeah. it was maybe... 10 megabytes and it took my modem like one hour to get that one yeah. single video file so <laughs> so it, it was at, at a you really had to work for it mm -hmm. and and i remember uh i had never seen into the abyss episode so when i found the i had already listened to the clip uh, on audio yeah. many many times over where there's the famous scene of, well, Tila in the fall into abyss and Adam changing, and uh, later they updated this uh, the page with the video, and I'm, I was like gobsmacked when I saw that, and it's like, like holy crap, this is this was an actual episode. Like I need to get these, and that was the time when you would have uh, people making VHS copies and sending them overseas, and Actually, that was also one of the, I mean, I kept emailing James many, many times with very fanboy <laughs> filma filmation questions. And he was always very, very, very gracious on answering to this annoying young Finnish <laughs> fan. But it's, uh, our friendship was forged and yeah, going still a couple decades later. But, um, that's, and that's, that's yeah, actually the, how, how we got hooked up with you guys when we started the, this podcast. He, he was, you were actually the very first person to message me after that first, uh, episode dropped. And I, I still remember what you said because in the show I'd, I'd said, uh, you know, hey, if anyone knows, you know, something we got wrong or anything, uh, you know, let us know, drop <laughs> us a message. And sure enough, just short within a day after that episode dropped, the first message from Yuka was, "Were you serious about wanting to know if you got something wrong?" <laughs> and mm -hmm. I'm like, "Yeah." Mm -hmm. And then like these like three or four <laughs> messages like come back to back, and and ever since then, Yuka's Yuka's been the one. If I got something wrong, he's the first to point it out. So, <laughs> which resulted in being our two time no prize winner. So. Yeah, and we're grateful for yeah. it. I, I love it, honestly. I, <laughs> I I am very much about getting the information out there, getting it about their right. That's what this whole podcast was founded upon: is to inform and entertain. So, I, I've always appreciated that from you, Yuka. I <clears throat> like to think that I've learned my lesson a couple times the hard way. That I actually remembered to first say. Do you actually want feedback? <laughs> I don't always remember to do that. And um, in this day and age, people may take it the wrong way. And it's <clears throat> it's obviously never my intent. I, I If people are curious about something and if I have any ways of digging up that info, I'd, I'd like to share it, be it in a video or whatever. But it's uh, sometimes on online when it when you discuss it's a... Uh, 
people can misinterpret things and you need to remember to use smileys yes. a lot. So because yeah. <laughs> it's it's very different. You you could say some of these things face to face if you're in a convention with fans, but it it and they and they will read your face and body language that oh, they're just trying to help. They're not being like a asshole about it. <laughs> no, exactly. It's text text is tough and that's that's one of the reasons the message boards and everything have kind of waned for me, especially when we can do stuff like this. Or like me and Sean, we send each other uh, uh, voice clips back and forth on Messenger all the time because it's it it gets your point across better. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. In in one minute cycles. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but it, it it forces you to pick and choose. <laughs> Getting to the point, and he, he, uh, poor Matt, he has had to dig through probably fifteen in a row of me just going on a rant, and then after he's done, he's like, "I'm halfway through. I'm trying to work though, but I'll get back to it. I promise." I hear that at least once a week from him. So yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> but it's good. But it's awesome that all this technology is here that we're able to connect overseas like this, state to state. I mean, Sean and I live, you know three, four states away from each other. So Mm -hmm. it's cool to be able to do that. Um, uh, So let's loop it back. We kind of got, we kind of got sidetracked as we always do. So 2000 X, what was your introduction to that? Like uh, uh, you got to forums, the boards, then you saw in Europe a year later, how'd you become the master of it? What was it about 2000 X where you're like, okay, this is, you know, obviously you know a ton. I'm not saying you don't, but 2000X seems to be your wheelhouse. So how how did you get there? I just copied James. I idolized him mm-hmm. a lot. I still do. He's an, he's an awesome oh, guy, absolutely. but he knows to be more humble about things. <laughs> um, he... He was the He-Man cartoon guy, and um, I had found the forums, which which was a really new thing to me at at the like ninety nine two thousand. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had mostly dealt with just emails. That was a new thing that everyone was doing, and in in our uh, school, we had to learn it. And they were actually very good that they had an actual class where they were like okay now we're gonna teach you to use word and excel yep. and email and html and here's a front page 89 here's a front page express you can make your own website using oh, wow. these and i was like I can, I can make my own website holy holy hell <laughs> like <laughs> if, if I if I can make my own website, I mean, not everyone has those. Like this, this yeah. this will be awesome. I can, like, whatever write. And at at the time, I was doing some art, and I wanted to share those. And with the package in Finland, when you get a internet provider, the you get online. They they also gave you a certain amount of website space oh, wow. so you could create your own website on their server that is because <laughs> i mean obviously you could go at the time to some horrible place like geocds and, and have like seven 
seven pop-ups come out every time you click on anything. But uh, so I had a own website. I had different names of like Masters of Castle Grayskull and Yukas He-Man Page and Yukka and the Masters of the <laughs> Universe and all these. Like right. I, I was like. 17 at the time so it was like just new territory but learning html and all that was fascinating and putting something like a link in a image was a big deal that yeah. when you click on an image that it would actually also be a link to something that like, like you had to know your stuff to do that. So mm-hmm. I still uh, I still yeah. struggle with that to this day. <laughs> but yeah, so very very tangenty and um, but looking at uh, James's website, I learned a lot from it, and he had very nice graphics on the banners, and that was what inspired me to uh, get a digital um, program to color and that that set me on off in a completely different like with comic coloring mm-hmm. path can't really call it call it a career when it's like oh here's a front cover every six months maybe <laughs> so, but it's something but it, it, it's uh, been fun yeah. and and um, it, it also opened some uh, doors later on as we go on this yeah. <laughs> memory lane um, especially with the 2000X stuff so yeah I was on the forums and learning those when the information that oh there would be commemoratives mm-hmm. and that, that was a big deal at the time and I was like thinking oh maybe we'll get something in Europe and in Finland and yeah no so I had any of the commemoratives to... over there? No, it was such a small run. None of the. I I had a friend whose dad actually was a CEO of uh, one of these uh, supermarkets, and I I very directly, <laughs> as a snotty nosed seventeen eighteen year old, would be like that. Hey, will you guys get these on your shelves? And he was like, Yeah, we don't really deal with the Finland Mattel and. We, I don't think that's going to happen. So had to first time actually get people to help me. And it was one of those cases that I didn't know what was going to go down. But I found people on the org forums who helped. And I, at the time, there was no PayPal or anything. So um, (laughs) I did one one time I did send actually cash in an envelope. But other times mm. I sent money orders and like – so I, I never got gypped with those. So I got my commemorative uh, trap jaw faker and then this – some guy, JVS3, helped me get the um, commemorative <laughs> five-pack with Prince Adam, I five pack. which I still have. I think I've heard of that JVS3 guy here and there. He's done a couple of things. Yeah. Nothing big, though. <laughs> yeah. But then came the information that um, there would be Mattel doing something for the anniversary, 20th anniversary of He-Man, some toys. Right. And that was already a big deal. 
and uh, we were getting all the information mostly on heman.org because there wasn't all that many like pop culture or geek websites or there were some toy related websites but I, I never really went into them myself they may have also had the information but I just personally never went there yeah, well, it wasn't so my much. only not source like, not was... like now that's for sure Toy Fair Toy Fair magazine that was a big thing here Mm. And it's it's like um, that. So I I only had the one site and the one forum mm-hmm. to get the information, and uh, so they they had the information of the toys, and I was ecstatic and told my friend about it, and then there was some info that oh maybe there will be some animated special yep, yep. and people still at the time were like hey maybe Lou Scheimer Productions can make it because the, this is still at the time when early on we were finding out things like the uh, Filmation Series Bible but also the 96 Lou Scheimer Productions uh, own Series Bible which was the hero son of He-Man it was exciting time. a complete completely different thing from the actual filmation show and all that, but people got it confused a couple times. And things like seeing Mattel-style guide images where you'd see information that, oh, here's a, well, a bio for Clamp Champ or Rotar or whatever, yeah. and, and something like maybe Scareglow <laughs> that actually confirms that, no, he's not the future ghost of Skeletor himself. Yeah. So... People had access to these, yeah. but but getting something completely new was like even even more like groundbreaking, and thinking that oh this is the best we'll ever get and and it's a it's weird remembering that time because I mean we didn't know any names of like who did the back card back illustrations who wrote some of the mini comics who did what and who created anything it's like it it was a sort of wandering in the dark lands but uh getting something new for the shelves was extremely exciting and maybe getting a animated special on top of that i mean it was like this is the second new coming of masters and at the time i mean there was already Transformers were getting like the Armada cartoon, and I think uh, GI Joe had some um, comic series, and Thundercats yep. also around yep. that time had a comic. So th- there was the whole like it, it felt like a phenomenon that <laughs> all these eighties properties, everything was getting revamped somehow. So yeah. He Man there was like finally will have longevity for the characters and the brand. It's not simply something that happened in the 80s and only a few of us remember it. Exactly, and it, and it was heralded. I mean, it was it, it was amazing. The, the Horsemen revealed their toy designs. You know, Mike Young Productions filed soon after, and it was, it was basically loved by, you know, uh, fans and critics alike. You know, He-Man went from becoming a punchline in some of these magazines and stuff to like, hey, no, this stuff is legitimately cool now. Um, and it was great seeing all that stuff back on the shelves. Turtles, 
they followed soon after there with their revamped line and cartoon and everything, and it was it was a neat time, very neat time. Um, and I hope we didn't lose you, Gigan. Nah. <laughs> uh, I thought you had more more to say. Yeah, I get I get going, and then sometimes I forget where I was going with it. Um. But yeah, and the, the, so the cartoon hit, and it turned out to be more than just uh, more than just a special. Um, it was a whole series, which was unfortunately cut short. We mourn that fact to this day. Um, and and that's that's pretty much what we're going to talk about here today. Um, so Yuka, if you want, uh, since you picked this episode, we asked, we're very polite here at Legends of Grayskull. We'd like to let the guests pick. Why don't you kind of introduce the show we're talking about today? So, uh, the episode from first season, Lessons, written by Larry Dittilio, the late great. Indeed. And, um... This is a, a special episode that I've tried to make everyone see, but they don't always remember it in in the same way. Some of it stems from being a filmation fan first and foremost. Uh, but it's it's like people obviously when the show started, they were like, "What is this?" anime stuff and the twirling of the swords and 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 they they hold on to that even today and it's like no that's like maybe first some episodes but it it it's not like that for the whole first season by any stretch of imagination but it's it it left a mark on people um but at at that point this is like the seventh episode They they had established very clearly that they had a serialized um, approach with the show. You had the beginning story, and then immediately episode four follows on on that, and even episode five, and bringing more races and characters into it, and episode 6 revisits something that was only like two couple episodes earlier episode 6 episode 6 is actually Sean's fish monster yeah that's Sean's favorite episode he he said it he said it he said horrible fish monster (laughs) I heard him we have it recorded for posterity it's on there yeah no that fish (laughs) that flying fish is Sean's favorite character from all the series combined it's great. That fish makes me want to bash my head against the wall every time it shows up on this series, and I love this series. Ep- ep- so you ep- know episode, how mad Episode I get. 6 has only <laughs> two minutes worth of material for the overarching story. Otherwise, you are not missing out anything. No new information, no character development, no character chemistry Mm-mm. just the last two minutes yeah. are yes. that actually kind of not save but 
is what is the whole thing that makes it worth existing. Yes. Yes. That Skeletor learns about Castle Grayskull and that there's something there. Mm-hmm. And uh, not, a, <laughs> not a very flattering image of sorcerers with the backwards <clears throat> skirt, but <laughs> it's, uh, they, they had some mistakes here and oh, there. Well, and that's the thing. This was this uh, this show to remind everybody was uh, uh, completely drawn. It did not rely on the stock um, the stock system like filmation did, where you're you're getting these same poses kind of traced over and redrawn every episode. This was drawn from scratch, and I think that really lent. It, it's good and bad because there are episodes like this one where I just watched this earlier today when I was on break at work. And, like, the animation in here throughout I thought was top-notch. This is one of the best animated episodes of the series. But, yeah, you did have those episodes that felt really rushed animated-wise. Um, I don't know if you guys felt the same way about the series. It's uh, a topic on its own. <laughs> there there are some... They, they switched the studios where they had it. You can you can find them on, on the credits mm-hmm. if you have the Cartoon Network aired versions. The DVD ones sadly kind of have a, uh, let's say, bastardized version of the credits where they just put all the information at once. But, I mean, it, it was a topic that the fans had even during the run of the show that some episodes the faces were off model and whatnot and they'd mm-hmm. look into that oh this was done by Dong Wu studio instead of Dong Yang studio yeah, I that like now. Yep. and it's uh, and yeah the the MYP show is hailed for like oh this is the first time ever we got to see how Adam became He-Man. And it's like, um, sure, if you never read any comic or a book or a mini comic or, or, or yeah. in the 80s, it, the, the story is there. Yeah. Like, but, but, it, but people are mostly familiar with the cartoon and that's fine. Um, but it's a, it's a one of those personal pet peeves again <laughs> that I've, I've tried to look into these origin mm-hmm. stories and the differences and all that for my video series so it's a uh, th- there's an abundance of information and especially nowadays with google and everything and many of the comics they're like scanned on oh, yes. online website you can or torrents or or whatever sorry so not that not you we can, here at legends of grayskull do not endorse any sort of file sharing that may be illegal in your country or region <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that, but that's, uh, if you're gonna do it you know there are places out there um <laughs> well well not not to rub it in again but i listened to the first episode i remember you saying yeah my family used to tape the video to and it's like men in black coats are just going to be knocking at your door yep. man i'm telling and you and actually fbi warning for, for this series <laughs> i don't know if i mentioned it before but even here in the u.s the uh council of evil the two-parter that was supposed to end the season um cartoon network did not air it in the u.s when they first aired season one because they felt that the kids would get confused uh, by there being the cliffhanger. And so they ended it at the island. 
and they did not air the Council of Evil until they started airing season two uh, with the Last Stand. And yeah, Canadians had it better. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. But Canada, they played through the whole season one and aired Council of Evil. So somebody may have found a let's say like like a place nah. called LimeWire. Let's say I'm just making that name up. Yeah, I remember LimeWire. And, <laughs> and may have spent like a day downloading two episodes uh, to his computer at the time, and it was well, it was like it was probably like 28 hours to to finish downloading all that. And, uh, and it didn't stall and it didn't make you restart or anything. The files were still up there. No, yeah, no. They, <laughs> I remember well, it did. That's, that's part of the problem is it kept restarting. It kept having, the, it kept yeah. dropping out and dropping in. And, but finally, me and my friends, we gathered around my computer and we watched. I mean, somebody watched. I'm not saying it was me. Somebody. Somebody watched Council somebody. of Evil pretty <laughs> shortly after it aired there. So Nice. <laughs> hey, you had to do what you had to do back then. But uh, we, I, have, we have you on record now. <laughs> <laughs> going, going. Well, I don't Here usually edit the episodes, but I might have to make an exception this time. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Yeah, well, I, I, I caught him on YouTube. Episode, I'll, I'll message you like so many things like, okay, um, <laughs> cut this part where I said this and cut that and cut this and I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this and oh I, I think I came off weird there so cut, cut everything off you've been good so far you have Just like hello, hello and goodbye from me there's, there's a few words me and Sean try to avoid but uh, but yeah there, there's, there's you've been good you've been good yeah um, I'm gonna Hang on one second. I'll be right back. Sean, uh, why don't you jump into how uh, uh, kind of your first thoughts or for how you first came to this episode. I'll be right back. Cool. Uh, how I came to this episode, basically YouTube. <laughs> like uh, I was I was not the guy watching it uh, weekly, unfortunately, because I didn't have cable at that point in my life. I, I couldn't. I didn't have access to Cartoon Network. And to be honest, at that point, I didn't even know about the org yet. Um, but I was buying the figures. I knew there was a cartoon out because of the, the courage of Adam VHS that they were putting in these packages with the, the battle sounds characters. But, uh, I'm glad I got to watch them the way I did. Cause I think if I would have ended with that season finale, I would have been just like chomping at the bit. Like I have to see what happens next. That would have driven me crazy. I'm really glad that I didn't have to go through that. I, I got to binge them before binge was a thing. So, um, but yeah, this, this episode in particular, I think this was like 2000 X took a little while for me to warm up to. And I think my expectation going in, like you were saying, uh, Yuka about people were saying, Oh, it could be maybe like filmation. It could be, Oh, Lou Schammer can come back and all that stuff. So, I wasn't expecting that, but there was a part of me that thought, well, that's kind of the way that it's been represented. So the theme song to me was essential and some of this other stuff was essential. And then when I watched the first episodes I watched, I was like, what are they doing with this? Like, cause, cause because like, you know, I wanted to hear the, the old Shuki Levy uh, theme song. And I'm like, they're going like Lord of the Rings with this. Like what, what this in the, the flavor was off. The feeling was off. But when I started watching them on YouTube and, uh, and and getting to go through them, 
uh, I really like this episode because we've talked about it already on the show, uh, me and Matt, that when Larry Dottilio writes certain characters, you can feel that filmation influence in them. And in this one in particular, he not only nods at that with how Orko saves Adam and all that stuff, but he has the sorceress kind of feeling a little more motherly, like the sorceress that we grew up with and some of that. So yeah, this one was kind of like a good turning point for me and enjoying the whole series to be honest, because there was that, that feeling again of this is why I loved it when I was a kid. And now I feel it again as an adult that those elements are starting to come into it again. Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel the same way. This, this one, whenever Larry wrote the characters, he got them, he nailed them. Um, and, and this one, there's stellar performances by the sorceress who could come off way too cold in this series. We've talked about that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Battle Cat, He-Man, uh, there's some good action. It's a, it's a good story. Um, and it adds new elements. Um, so we might, we might as well jump right into it. Uh, I don't yep. know if we need to do quite the play-by-play. Um, uh, but we'll kind of streamline. Um, so th- this episode first opens up here. Um, oh, I do have to say my, I think, we did say it was written by uh, Larry Dottilio. Uh, it was directed by Gary Hartel, I believe. Yes. Um, and All the episodes the- have Gary as the director. But uh, yes, so I mean, it's in in yeah. filmation. It was a different thing. They they would have different uh, writer director, but in uh, MYP, everything has uh, Gary's name as the director. Though, from storyboard uh, point of view, Jay Oliva had uh, some influence there, but uh, okay. he's he's not like widely credited as episode director but mm-hmm. gary is not not taking anything away from either one of them but it's uh, something i learned along the way hmm. interesting i i hadn't even caught on to that yet and i probably should have because we've done quite a few 2000x episodes but yeah yeah okay then um but th- there's a lot of great people working on this so mm-hmm. um and, mm-hmm. yeah go ahead Oh, I was going to say some have, have been a part of other series like, uh, uh, Jay Oliva that you were talking about. I know he's moved on to, he was on justice league, I think, or justice league unlimited. I want to say, I know he, he um, has, he's, he's done a lot other, of the DC, DC animated. Yeah. Products. The, the DC and, and then, uh, Joaquin dos Santos also was someone who worked on the series and, he also had a good hand in like just the, the Justice League Unlimited, I know, and uh, the Voltron series that Netflix put out and stuff too. So these guys have graduated and gone on to you know other brands that we still enjoy. So it's really Absolutely. cool. Absolutely. Um, and I always like this opening sequence here because, uh, like you could point out earlier, uh, we're still seeing them uh, finishing up the repairs to the castle, which was damaged all the way back in in the beginning part one. You know. Yeah. Um, and I like that. I like that as, as, as a teenager at the time when this came out, I really liked the fact that not everything was just reset to the status quo at the end of the episode. Um, you know, you still had beginning, middle and end these episodes, but it served the larger picture too. Um, and it's a neat little gag with Orko in the beginning here. They're trying to finish up, uh, the statues of the elder elders 
getting them back up, and then uh, I, I think it's Man Arm says that the last wall will finally be back in place by the end of the night. So it, it's nice to see them actually having to sit down and and repair everything that Skeletor destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> and then they have problems of their own because of who's on their team. <laughs> yeah. So, because so, so, and uh, Sean, I know how you usually feel about Orko, um, especially when he's the childlike. But you go, what do you prefer for you, your Orko? Do you like him a little more childlike or a little more competent, somewhere in between? Somewhere in between. Uh, he's uh, well, going from from the filmation that I mean the writers there sometimes they uh, handled him like a teenager sometimes the very very young kid who doesn't know anything um, I I'd prefer that he still has the childlike qualities that may get him into some trouble but at the same time he still is uh, a very competent magician I mean the, there are also even filmation episodes where he just does his thing and it helps the hero survive something because Orko made a giant yeah. lightning bolt or whatever. And but they're they're a bit few and far between. Yeah. So uh, the general consensus is that oh, he's is the bumbling character, the child. But um, I do like it when they actually show him be useful. Um, and they had gotten at this point in the show over the Orko acting a bit too immature with like, oh, you wouldn't know that it's actually yeah. Adam who's this hero guy. It's yeah. like they 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 learned from that and it's their it, it was also one of those that people for a re- really long time seemed to just remember <laughs> sort of those awkward moments and it it, yeah. it was harder like by episode maybe 13 that no no it's it's getting much better people i mean but at the at the time when we were i i i was basically just uh, trying to <laughs> live through them on the forums through other people when they were were like screaming if a new character came on screen or uh, other mm-hmm. elements that happen or something did um, but it's like I got some of the VHS tapes recorded by a friend on the forums and he would send them like every six or seven episodes nice. to me and I had a close friend Mikko who had a uh, VCR that sort of could play the American NTSC format. The oh, yeah. voice was okay on the tape. the The colors weren't as uh, saturated. They were they were a bit uh, tanned. But uh, we could watch the episodes, and we were just ecstatic and right. like. So I I had episodes come through the post every six or seven. So I I had like at least five tapes just for the first season, I think. And it's it's like they were just amazing to watch. But um, yeah, obviously I... when they came actually here on Finland, uh, it was <laughs> much better quality. But 
that then they 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 dubbed it so I didn't get the English version that the original He Man in Finland on our TV network had with just Finnish subtitles. Oh really? But the whole 2000x dubbing thing it's its own thing where I get to play one of the characters so <laughs> You get I'm sorry you said you get you got to play one of the characters? Yeah, I I went to interview the dubbing cast and mm-hmm. they were like, "Well, since you're a big fan, do you want to record something?" <laughs> and Nice. I like That's how I became Wait a minute here. I I like how <laughs> humble he is about this. Like he's just like, "Oh yeah, yeah, just I just got to record a, a, a character for the for the show. Is that do, do you guys not all get to record characters for the show? Uh, <laughs> I've, uh, I've, I'm sorry, I didn't I've mean to ta- cut you off there. Taud- I've, I've touted it so many times during the past decade that I, I, miss I, I that feel somehow. like it, it's, it's not the biggest accomplishments at, at that point. So, But I'm, I'm the Finnish uh, voice of Captain Miro. Wow. Oh. Nice. I gotta, I gotta go look these up now somehow. Um, yes, no, somehow I missed that all these years. Um, that's very cool. I, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but yeah, that just took me to the surprise. So did you ever get a proper, did they ever release a PAL uh, format of the, the English He-Man, the 2000X? Uh... Not that I recall. Uh, in in Finland, we got the first season in PAL, but it's the dubbed version. There's no other audio mm. tracks on it. At at those 2002, 2004, the DVDs for children's animated. I mean, there there's not. They don't give much options anyway. And even DVD format was such a new thing that you have like Matrix or whatever. And and there's like special features include interactive menu and uh, looking at yeah. these like seriously that that, that y- you call you call that a special feature yeah okay special feature movie yeah <laughs> it's like really thank you special feature you can choose the scene you want to jump to yeah <laughs> awesome Whee. oh but, but um, uh yeah it's a they, good night. Yeah. They had, uh, I think, uh, Germany had some episodes as well, and they had the German dub there. Uh, UK never got a DVD of the MYP. They had the World of He-Man special as a DVD release there, yes. which uh, came in, in actually two formats. One was uh, just a sort of like a slipcover of the DVD in a magazine, I think, and the other did have a proper the basic mm-hmm. um, see-through plastic case. but um, did, did it come with toys over there like it did with ours? That's how we got World of He-Man was it came with the figures. I think they were more like some with some magazine. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Because they, the, the VHS in America, I think, yeah, that came with a toy figure yeah. or something so yeah and that's and, all we and got that, was that, the VHS. and that's on its own DVD. topic as veering to there <laughs> it, it came it came in a time where it had animation from 
the moral segments, but mm-hmm. in America you didn't get to see those. Not in Finland, we, we did get them, but in America you had not seen the moral segments, so people at, at the time were ecstatic that, oh my god, there's completely yeah. new animation here. Yes, there but was. going, learning later on that, no, they just... Everything in that uh, visually was reused from the first season materials. The yeah. narra- narration basically is is uh, the new thing there, and it's a fun little uh, special. I, yeah. I think they should have done more of those, but it's. Uh, I think it was gearing up for the Snake Men in some part. Oh, absolutely! It was just nice. Not to get too far on that, but the world of He-Man, it was nice hearing the full intro, and I know we brought it up on the show before, so I won't dig that up again, but God, that that gag of uh, Trapjaw taking the shot at Adam uh, got old. At, right, Probably right around this point is where you were just like, man, I'm sick of seeing this interrupted intro. Let him speak for once. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, but yeah, so so back to the episode. Man, we went everywhere as we always do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was it was actually I liked the gag with Orko in the beginning here with him making the statue too loud, too light when he's trying to help them lift it. Um, because like like you said about twenty minutes ago, before I got him sidetracked, uh, you know it was nice because it showed Orko with a bit of like teenagerness, but he was still really powerful because that was a heck of a spell he pulled off right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that it leads to man at arms. Just you hear man at arms really getting pissed for the first time. Yeah. Because of something Orko does like on the old one, it was always just Orko. And yeah. in this one, it's like, this sounded like my dad. This was like <laughs> run and hide kind of angry. You know that I, I heard that out of him maybe like once or twice, you know? Right. So, but anyway, but then at the same at the same time, it's funny because it's actually Man Arm's fault because Orko had it under control. He'd already gotten the ropes up there to grab the statue, and it wasn't until Man at Arms messed with him that he that everything went you know haywire. So yeah. I blame Man at Arms. <laughs> so does Orko. Probably. So does Orko. <laughs> oh, Yuka, any thoughts on the opening uh, sequence here? I think you can maybe in just sip. Ah, it's a very basic um, start and um, effective in um, having the character relations also there uh, in in the true almost filmation style that you know where they stand and the and the whole Orko knocking accidentally all the. <laughs> statues i mean it's that's a uh, weeks and weeks of yeah. the master's time <laughs> like putting them back up and it's um but very quickly you have the where everything like the um, I'm trying to think of a very fancy word in in inciting the element mm. But um, you have Orko going to Grayskull soon after, but also learning that the villains were watching all this time and, and they have their own reactions and 
that adds its own comedy to it that they just seem to have this time on their hands to (laughs) look at what's going on in the palace in broad daylight. I mean, the the Doomseekers were an interesting notion to everything because, I mean, in, in the old cartoon... Skeletor could easily watch with his view globe screen anything that was happening basically anywhere. But here they like go more on the techie side of things. And I I would have liked more magical elements, but it's, 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 it serves its purpose. Yeah. And and to play the devil's advocate, it, it gives the reason like, well, if Skeletor can see everywhere, why? How has he never stumbled upon Adam transforming or anything like that? Um, it gives, power of Grayskull. Huh, well, yes, 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 yes. You can use the power <laughs> of Grayskull to explain that, and I have before. Like I said, I'm playing the advocate, but it was interesting to make it more of a uh, more of a technological thing where you have the well, you know, it turned the wrong way at the wrong time. Um, I will say, at some points, I'm like, okay, there's a little too many Doom Seekers running around. But uh, here it worked, and it actually reminded me just of the Rainbow Warrior that we just did, where uh, Beastman and Trapjaw were standing there watching the Joust, mm-hmm. you know, in filmation. And this is kind of the same thing. They're like, oh, look at these guys trying to do this, and the Jester messes it all up, you know. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a fun scene. I like it to this day. No, I like the Skeletor's like, maybe I should get Orko to do mm-hmm. something, because he apparently is better at doing damage than any of my minions basically at this point which i like yeah and that was nice seeing skeletor come into the throne room and being angry with them for slouching around you know mm-hmm. uh all day just watching watching the masters rebuild the palace like <laughs> come on guys we got better things to do takes all his yeah, anger exactly. out of triclops i will say it's one thing i liked about skeletor in this series he he really got angry and he he lashed out, and that was always fun to see. Um, and it gave him a bit of a vulnerability to me because he's, you know, so quick to anger and so quick to lash out that he misses some some obvious stuff, like in The Courage of Adam, when, when he sends Beastman to track down He-Man, and he comes back with Prince Adam's gauntlet, and Skeletor just gets ticked off at Beastman and doesn't even stop to think for a minute. You know, it's... It's moments like that that, you know, giving giving your villains that flaw is nice. It gives them a little mm-hmm. more depth as a character. Yeah. Um, but then we lead into Skeletor's plan here, um, and and it's basically to go to the ruins of Zalesia and find this ancient artifact called the Ramstone that can break down any barrier, break into anything. Um, and... and uh, lost my train of thought completely and you know evil lynn's a little bit hesitant to go she's she thinks it's pretty much just a rumor an old story and uh skeletor insists that they need to go get it for him so uh and i also like that skeletor is not going to go himself uh go and evil lynn even says that there's there's an ancient wizard there guarding it or guarding the ruins so uh, she's hesitant to go. Skeletor is him to go anywhere anyway. So, uh, uh, Beastman trap, Beastman trap, Jaw and Evil and head out. Um, 
Oh, that's what I was going to say. And and thanks to the sequence at the end of the deep end, uh, this is the first moment, his first plot in the show where Skeletor's deciding how to get into Grayskull. He's shifted now instead of the Royal Palace. He's deciding that he's got to get into Grayskull because he finally knows about the power there. So, like I said, it's nice to see the continuation of that story. Yeah. And that's uh, one, of, one of the things that also sets this episode apart. It's uh, the first one where sort of with a status quo of things that you mm. would think from a He-Man episode that Skeletor's after Grayskull and good guys will have to stop him at some point. Right. Um, I mean, I, going back on the... I did a whole video about analyzing the introduction where I talked about how there we don't even really see Grayskull as a element that mm-hmm. the bad guys would be all about. They attack the palace. So yep. here in lessons, it shifts shifts more to the status quo of things that this is what Skeletor wants. He knows that is the thing. And we just are on this wacky adventure that what is the new villain or vehicle or gadget that will help him achieve that. So it's, um, I'll probably get back on it at some point later in the recording, but I, I feel lessons might be the best episode, even better than power of grace skull i have my reasons for it and hopefully one day i'd I'd get a video done but uh i may give you guys the same cliff notes that i've tried to okay rack up my my theory i definitely say right off the bat yes this this episode is definitely about uh powers of grace skull um or power of grace skull i'm sorry uh me and sean we did that one already uh and we actually rated it a little lower than we thought we were going to initially. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so for all you listeners, we won't get back into that here, but go check out our previous episode where we covered Power of Grace. Um, and, and we'll get to the ratings at the end, obviously. Um, but yeah, so so now we had, uh, we're heading to Zalesia, which, which if I recall, I should have looked at to make sure, but this is a completely new location, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, Salacia is a new invention. Yeah, so it's, it's this ancient city that they're headed to, these ruins, and luckily Mechanek just happens to be near there. Um, it, is, it is located in the Sands of Time, which was a nice callback uh, to the Fomation locations. Um, and that was nice about this whole series. It's like they took, it's you can tell they started with a map of you know the filmation, the classic stuff, and then they added a few spots here and there. But for the most part, the the geography of Eternia is pretty much what we're used to from the eighties on. Um, and so they're heading there. Luckily, Mechanic scouting there, and he he spies the evil warriors. He Phones in the Man at Arms, and so Man at Arms and Adam head out to Zalesia to intercept. Um, conveniently, but it's <laughs> it's a kids' show, so sure it works. Yeah. Um, and and when we get to Zalesia, then you know they're trying to find a way in. 
Luckily, Evelyn just conveniently happens to know a spell that allows them to enter the ruins, raise it up. It's got a nice ram skull motif to the whole place. Um, and, and a little tidbit, if I'm recalling correctly, and Yuka will yell at me if I'm wrong, but Larry Dottilio did write this episode, and I, I thought he had requested for uh, Shikoti's temple to actually appear near the ruins of Elysia in the in the desert, if I recall correctly. Um, the Shikoti stuff that I'm aware of is more for the out of the past. He wanted when um, yes, Skeletor is torturing Evelyn, he wanted there to be the Shikoti uh, monster to be, or some nod to the dimension Mm-hmm. That was in the Shikoti episode. Uh, Lessons was his first episode that he was given when he came on to write. So I uh, haven't heard any Shikoti mentions there. So he just did an awesome episode on its own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Maybe I misremembered that. I do remember the out of the past stuff too. I knew that one for sure. Um but yeah, so we're to it, 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 it could be that there might be something, and I'm not saying that. I just uh, personally haven't found it because, yeah. I mean, in the episode there are elements that are in the script that you can read, and that they were cut uh, probably because of time. I mean, Clawful oh, appears uh, at Grayskull, and they have a whole skirmish, and you, there's storyboard scenes where he's like banged up at the very last shot but the final animated version doesn't mm-hmm. show it and there are little little bits and pieces like that but sure uh haven't seen Shakodi mentioned there so uh that's mostly my go-to at times to check the script because luckily the DVDs came with PDF versions of those yes. that uh, were from BCI uh, release. Yes, and that's that might be where I got it from. Um, I'll have to go back and check that myself. Um, but regardless, so we get to Zalesia. Uh, Evelyn finds a way in for them, luckily. And uh, Adam and Man-at-Arms are just kind of watching uh, when they get there. Uh, and then we get the, the interaction in in the temple uh, where the faceless one finally appear first appears. And just like he says, just this, this kind of glowing specter with no face. And that's about all we know about him at this point. Um, and he, he beats Trap John Beastman pretty, pretty uh, single-handedly. And then Evelyn appears, and he—he's stunned by her. He's, you know, you and all this, and that she's able to use that to get the drop on him. Um, and I know when I first watched this, I'm assuming that I went with that he was her mentor. He was the one who taught her, and she probably betrayed him. That's where I was going on first viewing. Um. Sean or Yuka, any thoughts on the faceless one when he first appeared for you guys? Uh, for me, I, I figured it was along the same lines as what you're saying. That it, I knew there was a connection somewhere. Right. Um, I don't. I didn't read the comic at that. But I was reading. I was just watching the show and then getting back into some of that stuff uh, as mm-hmm. I went along. 
So, yeah, I just I like that they had that element because you knew Evil Lynn wasn't interested in doing this. Right. And then you see why. And then it's like, I like that. I like that they're showing there's histories to these characters before they do some of these missions right. and stuff like that. And then when we get to the end and see what that actually means, it's like, oh, OK, yeah. so not to go all the way there. But, yeah, it's it, it, it definitely puts some interesting twists and turns into the into characters in that way for me. Mm-hmm. In my case, um, well, I was uh, sort of watching the episode through <laughs> the forums with people just reading their reactions and then yeah. at a very, very lagging with uh, whomever had the technology, mostly um, John Callis, but also uh, Tallstar yeah. had uh, capabilities of getting images from TV and posting them online so the information got to me first before uh, that there's a new character and uh, seeing a visual but I was just too excited that there's a completely new character that I didn't really think about it at the time and then the comments are like by the end revealing what the deal was so when I actually first saw the proper episode i i sort of knew what to expect but uh didn't lessen the experience at all no no it still holds up watching it today um and yeah it's it's nice to see new characters once in a while it's definitely nice for them to just go a completely new character here and there um rather than trying to reinvent the wheel all the time so um, and in in a way, one of the highlights what sets this episode apart. We get a proper first, completely new character who has a very big impact on the mythos of Eternia and its characters. So exactly, and so so she blasts uh, the faceless one uh, through quite a few walls. And uh, and takes the Ramstone and heads heads to meet Skeletor at Grayskull. Um, one of the shots I love from this episode is we we get to see what Adam's transformation looks like from far away, and that there is actually because that's been a debate among here and there. Like, is is the transformation just a show for us? Is there any actual thing like in universe that people see? And uh, this definitely answered that. Yes, there is. At least something, because as they're entering the, the ruins there, they see that blast from the sky of power and a little bit of swirliness, if I, if I recall correctly. And, and, and I like that. I like that there is some sort of in-universe transformation going on. It's just not Adam being replaced by He-Man. But of course, it's, not, it's also not quite the whole effect and grayskull backdrop and everything that we get to see for show. And it's uh, another first <laughs> for this episode. We we get a glimpse of that. The more dramatic one would be then with uh, the last stand in mm-hmm. right in front of Skeletor. Yep. But um, yeah, it's it's those uh, elements that because uh, up until that point it, it was mostly symbolic uh, and bu- reusing the same. Uh, footage, though 
another thing on the deep end right before that they they had um one interesting thing where they finally changed the background color on uh battle cat when he's transforming they had it yellow instead of the purple one which actually more suits the time that in that episode Mm-hmm. The transformation was taking apart, and that's like because the the purple one actually gets very boring very fast. Yeah. So I I was very happy to see that they would change it up even little by little. Yeah, and it's uh they they would do those changes and the uh, another <laughs> video topic I've done the the introduction also uh, changed at least six times with small changes the more episodes came on Cartoon Network. So they they were constantly trying to get better and evolving with mm-hmm. the show. So that's um, why sometimes it was a bit disappointing when the faces would be off-model or whatever. But uh, luckily not in this episode. And and as all all of that um, happening has going on with Evelyn and uh, He Man and whatnot, we have we've had Orko as the B plot mm-hmm. going up to Sorceress at Grayskull, and we also see that there are some uh, security <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> magical elements that you it's it's not so easy to just waltz into Grayskull and more like illusions coming up and you don't know where you're going and the Escher-esque uh, painting of the corridors and all that. It's it's really fantastic stuff, learning more about it and Orko just trying to wander in and uh, bumping into the sorceress and she's very calm and very elegant in a golden yellow the magical sphere just floating about and asking just very calmly like why why do you want to go back to troll and he gives the same basic information from filmation that we had for older fans that he powers work differently and he was called orko the great and and Mm -hmm. she's like oh go to the library for a bit and and the spell will take some time, and it, it it was such a big deal that she acted in this more understanding and nurturing way because yes. that is what all the media basically has given us that she is. She is the guardian of Castle Grayskull, but she does help all the heroes be it someone like Many Faces or Orko when they need, or He-Man giving advice and understanding. And mm-hmm. and the MYP had their own take on it, which luckily did the, the strictness or the coldness, whatever term you want to use. It, yeah. it, it got lesser by season two. Mostly some of the episode events needed her to be an actual proper <laughs> guide to the heroes yes. telling man at arms or adam some history so the it, 
I'm I'm glad it went that way. And in in this episode, it it shines through the most, and mostly because of Larry's great writing. And so Orko goes to the humongous library in Castle Grayskull that we didn't know existed um, up until now, and yeah. he meets up shot, with this. Though. Yeah, meets up a stranger there and talks a bit about going to Bactrol and he brought, brings up the book of yesterday and yep. shows the flashback images of Orko arriving on Eternia. Again, going for the formation fans, it's it's like a very good nostalgic thing that they, they kept that. I mean, obviously the MYP people... There are some who, like from Ian Richter, producer, and all these guys who grew up with He-Man, and uh, they had James E. Tuck write a whole filmation sort of Bible for them, and they used that as some basis, so you will have those sense of time references and other things pop up, and... uh, but this really brings it all together that, yes, even the Orco origin is is basically the same. Like, you don't need to reinvent the wheel or anything. And we have a young Prince Adam, though no Cringer there, like no, Cr- in the... Cringer was there. He Am was I misremembering him. that? You sure? Because he's, splash- he's, he's splashing around. He's hold, he holding him Did in I really filmation. Did just in just in he, my mind? He he holds him in filmation. But when I was watching it today, I thought the same thing that you know Adam's there, but you know there's no cringer at that moment, if well, I remember correctly. Too, I, I just inserted him then, um, and that uh, yeah, it's because it's almost a play by play recreation of the filmation um, origin. Yeah. Swamp hoppers are, are menacing here, but I mean. Right. I, they, I they did change. They did change that in Larry's script. Uh, he also even has Orko with a holding medallions and speaking in some um, yeah. mag- magical words and incantations and all that. But for the uh, final episode, they had the wand for him. Yes, the wand, mm-hmm. and that gets thrown from his hand and even after he did manages to save young Prince Adam and it's uh, the responsibility of this stranger person there next to Orko just like bring up that you did a good thing and it's not as powerful as in the filmation where the the sorcerer really hones it in that without you there would be no He-Man. Like, right. you you are very important for the entire mythos of Eternia and everything. Absolutely. But here we have the stranger talk about it, and they go for another flashback where it's just king and queen sulking on something that was never really information given and um, Orko turns the young prince into a flower in a pot and that gives them the gift of laughter as is said the one thing about that scene is that I remember fans made some cool fan theories about it even if that didn't really pan out but 
they had the idea that maybe the king and queen were thinking about Adora, that she was lost to them. That's what I was going to say. And, that, that and, may, and maybe they're, they're sad about that. And, and as fan theories go, that's one of the really good ones. But yeah, they, they later did the creators say that no that there's no reason then we did we we didn't think of anything here and or not make any nods to anything so still to this day still to this day fans speculate on that scene and uh yeah I, i i agree this whole thing is just it's nice it was nice getting confirmation of of everything here you know leading up to here like most of your backstory that you're used to is intact and uh, it, it was nice. It was it was a good scene. And I will say, I just pulled it up again, and that is definitely a baby cringer there. I don't care what you guys are saying. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if my phone can pick that up. But he he is definitely okay. holding. I you didn't remember. <laughs> I remember I mostly remember the correctly. scene where he's uh, splashing around, and there's no cringer there, so. <laughs> Okay. No, so no we're, price we're not, goes to you. We're not, we're not crazy <laughs> here. Or I'm not crazy here. Um, I actually want to watch that a second farther. I wonder if Cringer disappears there. Um, but yeah, no, it's nice seeing mostly the same thing. It's interesting here because instead of just being on Eternia for Orko's magic acting weird, uh, they place it more on the wand. Um, uh, as being the reason why he can't work right on Eternia. So it's a little thing, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting that they did that slightly different here. And I know MVC would later, uh, bring his wand back. Uh, unfortunately we never got to see anything past that, but, but it, it was a neat element here. <clears throat> and the, and if you have the, DVD version of episode three, the wand shows up there, even though it's out of continuity. Yes. And in the Cartoon Network uh, version, it it is not there as it should be. Yeah, that was one of the most confusing edits. I know they went back and changed a few things here and there, but when they did that one, because like you said, in the original airing, that wasn't there, and then they added it, it's like, why? Why would you do that? And even here, I know they added some different effects here and there between the the broadcast and the DVD version. Yeah, I think I've posted some of those back in the day. Yeah, it's you guys, a you guys can go find that stuff. <laughs> it's uh, one of those, um, maybe most easily like visually something that you can notice that hey something is different here they removed an effect here or they made it different there and background paintings are changed some actually for better continuity and it makes a very fun comparison i showed um, those during i think think 2012 at Mm -hmm. the German Grayskull Convention when I had a 2000X panel there. So, but yeah, it's uh, one of those reasons why the Cartoon Network versions would be so great to have Mm -hmm. somewhere like in good quality, but 
sadly i don't i don't have those if anyone no. <laughs> listeners ha- have them <laughs> on vhs or something and can digitize them please help yeah no it, it would be nice to get the original airings out um so uh sean why don't you take us for a little bit here so we've got we're we're leaving grayskull now and we're heading back to the one quick the, note here oh, if i can interject yeah, go ahead. As um, the way that the stranger leaves, uh, oh yes, when when there's the in in info or the mm-hmm. uh, evil the, lurking nearby the, the castle, yep. the um, way that the stranger disappears uh, has similar. Uh, effects used that Evil Lynn did at the uh, Faceless Ones mm-hmm. temple, hmm. which I think, not sure if it was intentional or anything, but it's like, well, hmm, two sorceresses and the yeah. way they do magic, if there is some consistency there. And yeah, that's that's an interesting point. I never thought about that. Kind of, you know, they they. Good magic and evil magic, but they both kind of draw from the same uh, same spell casting. Uh, I, li- I and I'd like, and I always thought that that sound effect when the when the stranger disappears was very much like wings flapping, uh, almost. But that's just me, maybe. Um, so, Sean, take it away. What do, what do we got? What's this evil approaching? <laughs> oh boy! See, I'm a jumble now because we've gone down so many rabbit holes. I'm like, okay, what part are we on now? Um, so basically, yeah, evil, evil is is shown up at Skeletor and he has the Ram stone and, uh, oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm piloting it all on my own here with Yuka. Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah, uh, Skeletor shows up with the Ram stone and, um, if I remember correctly, because it, now it's all a jumble in my head. Orko finds out through the sorceress that, that he's out there. And she needs his help to distract him while He-Man is trying to get to Skull. She's letting him know, hey, you know, we have a problem. And she knows he has the Ramstone and he's going to use it to try to get into Skull. And uh, pretty much uh, Orko is like, I don't know if I can do this. He doesn't feel up to it. The whole magic wand not being a part of it. And it's, uh, uh, it's, it's after that first He-Man tries to stop Skeletor, and we ah, first time see, see what the I effects knew I on the ra- Ramstone are, yeah. and that and you should let Yoko take it away. <laughs> and, I feel from, bad for, for you. You've been so quiet in the corner over there. Hey, I'm just listening to the, this. Is like my Roger Sweet episode of the Council. I just sat there because at this point I'm listening to the to the to the to the heavy hitters, and I'm just like I'm just here. I'm good. So because uh, now I completely food barred that. So go for it. Feel free. <laughs> oh. Go ahead, Yuka, because I'm not sure where we're at. They're attacking Grayskull. Obviously, I don't know. Either. Yeah, or Orko <laughs> comes up to Sorceress and learns that Skeletor is at the door. And and after He-Man tries to intervene and gets actually first Battle Cat knocked out. And yes, another we... another classic moment uh, defining aspect of 2000X. Yeah. Um. This, but this one's. 
the way it's drawn here is just so great. I mean, you can see Battle Cat plummets to the ground, and just the way he's lying there, the the lines in his face, like he just looks in pain and knocked out at the same time, and and just the look on He Man's face, it's it's just drawn so greatly here. Mm-hmm. It's a um, effective way to bring about what He Man actually cares most and it's a you you don't need to like fabricate a reason why he might be pissed off with Skeletor and that is also when Skeletor properly tells why this uh, barrier thing works the way it does that you've always been a barrier to me so let's try this doohickey on you and see what happens and, That's a great line. And it's uh, the first shocking moment also in the series that it knocks He-Man back out. Sorceress tried to warn him and reverts back to Adam because of the whole thing. And that's when she turns to Orko that, well, she needs to go to help Adam and you need to distract Skeletor. He's already at the gate, so... Good, yeah, good yeah, luck. I, <laughs> I skipped all over that part. Now I feel like a complete idiot. Uh, <laughs> but and I know uh, you want to talk about that moment because we talked about this. I do. It broke me that I completely threw that out the window and, and went <laughs> to the next part because, like I said, my my mind is like I'm trying to keep up with everything. I'm like I can't remember where it, yeah. that part was exactly. But no, that moment for me is awesome because it showed the difference really easily with. Filmation versus 2000X because Adam always had a little more, he might have been, uh, you know, like a a more carefree Adam, but there was a little more maturity to that Adam, whether you like it or not. And in this one, when, when it is, you know, this moment, like, you know, he sees what happens Mm -hmm. and it's the whole, I'm going to get him finally. And I love that whole idea of sorcerers. No, no, He-Man, don't do it. And he does it. And you can see there's just, like, vengeance in his eyes when he's yeah. going for that moment. And, and like like Yucca said, you know, okay, boom, <laughs> the power of Grayskull is gone because he yeah. goes head-to-head with this, this ancient artifact. And it, it was such a powerful moment to see that because as a kid I always thought, why don't they do that? Like, I, I actually had a couple moments when I was a kid going, like, He's a magical construct. How come they can't interfere that t- uh, that tether to Grayskull that he has that he would turn into Adam or something? And once they opened up that door on here, now every time they have a, a, any kind of mystical anything or an ancient <laughs> artifact, nine out of ten times I go, I wonder if it's going to make him turn into Adam again because that was cool. Because you know, it was. Yeah. It was just like such a shocking moment. That's how powerful this this artifact is. Yeah, and it was, like you said, it was it was – awesome for the first time see because i never even thought about that growing up like i never thought about there being something so powerful that it could knock the he-man out of someone like (laughs) i like i can't i'm gonna knock the he-man out of you (laughs) you know it it, it never even occurred to me it's like well once he transform you know you could interrupt the transformation obviously by you know rocks falling in on him whatever but it's like once he was he-man he was he-man even in secret of the sword Hordak drained all his strength. He was still He-Man. He needed the, yeah. to power back up, but never getting knocked back. So, you know, and, uh, um, and 
sorry, distracted me. Um, even with the, uh, oh God, what am I saying? I sound like an idiot. Uh, <laughs> we can edit this. I don't though. I'm very lazy. Uh, I don't mind sounding like an idiot. You can send me a bunch of pictures and it distracted me. Um, Pretty pictures. um, Me and my buddies, that's where I was going. Me and my buddies always used to gather on whatever day this aired on Cartoon Network and we'd always watch the new episodes together. And we're all just sitting there. And when that happens, we are all just like, oh my God, like, Mm-hmm. he's out and he's at him and then we're like well did Skeletor see him or what you know did he did he fall back you know quick enough or whatever and luckily of course you know he was knocked back so quick that Skeletor yeah. didn't notice um, but yeah so we're like Battlecast knocked out Adam's knocked out you know Skeletor's got the he, he brings the drawbridge down you know yeah. and uh, that's one quick notes I, I still hate that they changed the jawbridge to a drawbridge um, <laughs> the the drawbridge really lended a lot to Castle Grayskull in my opinion that was one of the coolest aspects of it it's like man this doesn't even have a normal door it's got a giant mouth that comes down with all these teeth and everything so yeah um, and now I'm going to look at Yuka's pretty pictures that he sent me <laughs> Oh, it's the comparisons. He sent me yeah. the, the comparisons here. Let me see. Uh, go ahead, Yuka. Keep, uh, keep going, and I'll... I'm going to see if I can do something right quick. But uh, take us on with the story here. Yeah, so it's... Uh, Sorceress goes to help Adam, who luckily still has the sword nearby when he flew into the horizon basically and uh yeah. in the anime and in the animation i mean there's like a rock that gets split so not sure if it was meant to convey that he flew right through it or something and because that that would be kind of brutal i mean <laughs> already getting knocked the magic out yeah. of him but also like going through some rocks it's a um, and um, Orko is at the gate, uh, very bravely confronting Skeletor and uh, just baiting him with like, uh, like I have this magical grace called Pot, yeah. <laughs> so I can, <laughs> so I can easily defeat you. And uh, well, Skeletor's not having it, but Orko manages to swap them out and gets the ramstone and quickly goes back in Grayskull, which is sort of like, don't do not do that. Don't <laughs> lead the villain into the place. But um, yeah, Skeletor gets a face full of the um, all the Grayskull's own magical elements and... Uh, actually doesn't get too far and um, Orko is like coming back to the bridge where Evelyn steps out of the shadows in a pretty neat animation and knocks him out so Orko thinks that the ramstone is fallen to the abyss but um, Evelyn goes after it and uh, uses her magic to get uh, a helping hand from the 
stone yeah, I, structure. I like that hand. I like that hand spell. That was neat. Even watching it today, I'm like, that's a that's a neat spell there. An- another moment that uh, is later reanimated to have a more painted version. The Cartoon Network one had uh, cell shaded, not mm-hmm. the best term, but. Um, just flat tones and the line art. So they changed that for, I think, um, European version, technically for possible DVD release. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I noticed these, uh, changes when the European versions were coming out. Um, but, um, yeah. they kept making those changes and, when it finally came on DVD, that's the version that we got. So yeah, so uh, so run us through right quick here. I, th- I hope you can see that. Um, I threw up the it's the Castle Grayskull right now. Which ones? Well, never mind. Cartoon Network's there. So yeah, yeah so, so Cartoon Network confronting Skeletor and the the Cartoon Network is basically the almost a stock background mm. of Grayskull that they slapped in many occasions depending whatever the perspective actually was but they would use that many times uh, but in a later version for DVD they did remake the whole background so it is a proper side view right. which besides with, uh, besides those two turrets being too close together that is actually a good improvement uh, this this one I remember. Um, yep. My kids are coming down. I'll be right back. Sure, Hold go on. ahead. Uh, this one I remember. This one is they added the... Or they took away the sparkle effects. That's what it was. When Battle Cat's being healed. Which, yeah, which I'm not sure why they choice. did that. Yeah. Uh, so are we getting ahead of the episode? <laughs> well, we are. We are. But you know what? Um, and here the more uh, the later version has a brighter color that sort of washes over He-Man and the direction of the shadow is changed Um, I think background otherwise is basically the same but those are one of the um, visually interesting ones. Mm-hmm. There, there are a lot more with uh, when He-Man and Skeletor confront with the Ramstone magical creature. They mm-hmm. switched around how they were placed um, yeah, near it, and that. I hope to yeah. one day make a proper video or slideshow or something where I can show all the differences. But yeah, um, yeah there, there's. Some background images and perspective shots where they changed it. Yeah. Mostly for the better, if you are a little odd choices. But yeah, that that's what Yuka was sending me when I sounded like an idiot earlier, so I figured we'd throw him up there and talk about him for a second. So, um, and, the, and then this basically takes us to our wrap-up. Um, I tell you what, the, the Orko switcheroo in this episode was a lot better than in the search where he's got a rubber bouncy ball. I'll give it that. He's here again. His, <laughs> he, he, when he needs to, he's got a spell. It works. And it was a nice way to get the Ramstone away from Skeletor. I, I liked that. I liked it in here. Um, and, yeah. and go ahead, Sean. 
No, I, I was just agreeing. I, I liked it a lot. And uh, I, 2000X, they had they had their silly moments with them, but I was always appreciative that they didn't. It was it wasn't as childlike as Filmation at times for me. And and I know Filmation it, it teeters from one to the other as well, like we said earlier. But he is a reliable part of the the heroes more on this, especially. The the other one that I loved was uh, Last Stand, yeah. for the simple fact, you know, like it, if it wasn't for him, yeah, that that would have been yeah, it, again. you know. <laughs> and it, again, it's the same deal. Here he is, and, and it seems like his best moments happen when he's at Grayskull yeah. and he's doing these well, little and moments. The chips are so. down. That's how I've always viewed Orko. It's like you know what? He may be a screw up most of the time, but when it really matters, he'll get that spell right every time, you know. Well, and and the other thing about that moment for him that I loved when the when the uh, jaw bridge well the, when the bridge you yeah. know, the, the not uh, the draw bridge <laughs> not the jaw bridge but yeah. uh, when that comes down and he does the switcheroo mm-hmm. I love the fact that when he gets it you know Skelter's like the Ramstone he's like yeah and I'm gonna blast you with it I love <laughs> that it's like holy crap Orko's gonna like. He's it's like gang style, yeah. you know, almost the way that he said that. I was like, it was surprising to hear it out of him, but at the same time, it's like that shows how bad the chips are down here. That Orko is going to have to vi- be violent to Skeletor because he's just about to cross yeah. the threshold. Unfortunately, here and Orko stuff. couldn't. Rem- but Barako has only heard the magical words via Batok Atra only once, so she he doesn't know how to say it. Yeah, and I did like that quite a lot too because yeah. even I, listening to Skeletor do it, I'm like, I don't think I could repeat that. Then when he tries, I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm in the same boat, buddy. If I would have gotten it, that would have been all she wrote too. So. I actually was practicing that while they were when they when Skeletor was saying it while I was watching it, so I'm like. I'm going to say this like three times each time so that I remember how to say it, and I got nothing right now. It's it's bear, bear, I know you could, and you could just say it, I still yeah, bear, did barak, atrum. Vir, batok, atra. Yeah, I would have been just like Orko. I, been, psh, well, uh, yeah, you and I would have been like that. And I would have been like Beast Man on the uh, Anwat Gar episode, where it's like you throw the <laughs> Legacy Stone up and it just hit me in the head because I couldn't remember that uh, that little rhyme they do. Yeah. So yeah, go figure. I know by the power of Grayskull, I got that going for me. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so go ahead, Yuka. Finish off this episode here. You've been doing such a good job. We'll just sit back and watch. <laughs> Well, they get to the one of the best parts of it. Um, Evelyn gets the ramstone back, and she does the reveal of the things I do for family, and everyone collectively gasps at their TV screens at that point. Yep. That that holy crap! It's her dad, and like, what's the story there? And yeah, we yeah. wouldn't really learn about it until much, much, much later, and not all even in the cartoon. So, nope. um, and um, well, Adam gets back on his feet thanks to the sorceress in Zoar form, mm-hmm. helping him. So, and he's uh, this time ready for Skeletor, who's on the drawbridge, and uh, <laughs> we get. Their first proper encounter against each other in a 
real clash of titans mm-hmm. on the bridge of Grayskull. I mean, like the mo- moments you have on the show that are just very epic and memorable. This this episode has so many firsts yes. that I'm just always shocked when people make lists or ask on Facebook or whatever, like, hey, what do you think is the best episode? And they, they go like, oh, I like the power of Grayskull with the, we learned about the ancestor, like, um, boring. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, it's Lessons. Lessons is much better episode than Power of Grayskull. It has much more mythology building new character, new uh, reveals and setting up the basic tone of how everything works. Even if it's very much filmation based, He-Man and Skeletor going at it, each other and like then He-Man obviously punches him away and and then they flee and emotional scenes with Battle Cat getting injured but luckily Sorceress helps recover him and right. and just it's it it has everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's um yeah, um, and, and then with Orko, he's, you know, Sorcerer going, well, the spell's ready for you to go back to Trolla, and He-Man's like, Trolla, you're going to leave us? And mm-hmm. and Orko has realized his place here, and that that hits home, too. It's like he's, you know, he realizes through the old man, which which was revealed to be the Sorceress. We kind of skimmed over that part, but after he teleports out of the library, you see him walking up to that the big mirror, the eye that Sorceress uses in this series, um, and and the cloak falls away, and it is a sorceress. Um, but yeah, he realizes, yeah, like I I am important. I do have a role to play. I'm not just a screw up. And and it was well written. It was it was a good reveal. It was a good moment for him. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree with everything you could say, and that's that's why this episode stands up. Not only does it tell you that what you remember is still valid. But it honors it and enhances it, and this is what all reboots should do. Yeah. Well, you and I brought it up before, and and with Yuka on the the show today, you know, like it would have been interesting if Larry Dottilio could have been the one to start the series, you know, and that and like do the beginning episodes and and add that flavor because. As much as those got the ball rolling for the series, I felt like his touches of how he dealt with the characters here would have played even better than the original version of the beginning, possibly. And I think there would have probably been a little bit more of that world the the ancientness like we like we like about this one the ancientness about some of this going into here's Skeletor getting these artifacts and now you know it's bringing world building into play a little bit more so I mean I know I know we have what we have and it was still cool to have a beginning episode instead of how filmation where every episode you started out with here's my introduction here's my bio card for lack of a better term yeah. But I like the idea that, you know, when I think about it, like Larry Dottilio, even for a new series, kind of had his fingers on the pulse of this is how you could do it, that the old fans will still love it, obviously, in the case of everyone here at this point. But, uh, you know, starting the ball rolling as well, that would have been in, it would have been one where I think nobody would say those three episodes were not good. You know, it would just mm-hmm. be like, no. Larry Dottilio, yeah, that's great, you know, like, keep them going, you know, at this point. So, 
you know, it's, it's yet another, um, yet another good reason of why he was such a powerhouse and like our childhoods and all that's his talent was, was formidable in making us excited and believe in this stuff. And honestly, it, it could possibly be what he, you know, even what he wanted to do back in the 80s, because I know a lot of times in his interviews and stuff, he said, yeah, I had to, like, dial this back or dial that back, or, you know, Filmation wasn't comfortable going there, so I, I maybe, uh, you know, it might have been more freeing for him, too, I don't know. Uh, I, I always scared of the what-ifs, but that's just one of those, out of everything I can what-if, that one would be, I would have loved, before he passed away, to sit down and go, okay, you you get the okay to do this series. And, and granted, I know everyone else was a part of it. I'm not trying to diminish their roles. But if you could have started this yourself and said, okay, you're going to write the first three episodes, how would you have wanted to do it to maybe make it even more rich than what it was? Or what would you have done differently that maybe would have made the fans even more excited for it or something? Yeah, that but That would have been a great question. Because he really does do quite a lot of episodes that are, really stick out in a lot of people's minds in the fandom and stuff. Absolutely. So, you okay, did you have you ever had a, a chance to interview Larry? I, I know you did a lot of them here and there. Uh, sadly, not. Uh, in in my case, um, um, well, the the whole getting to interview the Finnish uh, dubbing team back in the day, I, it was a pretty shot in the dark. I had discovered their information and went to their studio and I took pictures there and had information of the names of the people who worked on it and posted them on my site. And uh, it sort of got me on this path where later years and years later when Facebook became much bigger than it originally was and people got there on their actual names like yeah. and, and not not under aliases and you could find photos and and you could actually match that hey this name in this state and this country they might actually be this person who created this uh, old Mm-hmm. episode for He-Man or even this new episode and it's um, because the, those the way I was handling them it was uh, just I, I had re- no real connections basically right. I just uh, so fa- Facebook is something I have much to thank in that regard that um, I could discover <coughs> people like uh, Michael Donovan and Brian Dobson and they they had wonderful information and they would also um, sometimes mention that hey if you really want to know about this and this then you should talk to this and this guy and then I'd be like well I can find five people with that name on Facebook which one of them is it <laughs> so <laughs> so that 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 was also one of those that um, just really wanted to find as much information as possible uh, because in the early times when the series had basically ended, I mean, we did get some Q&A on the org that it w- while it was yeah. still going on. Uh, I think one of the first ones maybe was from, from the toy side, uh, Jeremy Padawer. Yeah. Uh, so he had some 
uh, and people were interested in all the toys and like what's coming up next and will we get to see this character as a figure or are these vehicles or what is snake mountain coming and so but later we also got the there was dean stefan had i think three uh q a's and then ian richter um who was producer from mattel's side and those two were the main big ones and i later got a short interview with Gary Hartle, which rounds up the trio of MYP, basically, that I've uh, learned since that. And also on the DVD, uh, director, what commentaries, what have you. It's evident that those three were behind everything. Uh, Maybe Dean Stefan and Ian Richter had more... Uh, cohesiveness between them two where they would discuss ideas and come up with things but Gary would also pitch in something and but there are some instances where all three would have very different ideas and and something like She-Ra in 2002 Mm -hmm. cartoon the biggest fan myth that she was going to be in season three, episode one is just sadly not sadly not true because there there are very contradicting statements that we can still find online, and none none of them really support that theory. And well, that mostly stems from the information that yes, Evil Horde was coming up, and they were gonna be in that season, and people just. Uh, automatically go that oh we were gonna get Hordak and She-Ra there and it's like yeah hmm partially right we could do a whole episode just on those those interviews and everything all that stuff that various guys have have leaked after the fact and um uh I'm gonna you can make sure you send me uh links to to some of your stuff here that you've mentioned I'm gonna drop it all down below um drop a link to your channel to Nuka all that stuff so um, guys, after you're done with watching this episode, go check out all of Yuka's stuff because he, he's got a lot of amazing, informative stuff there. Um, Definitely. So, he, he he did the one about the transformation sequences that I enjoyed watching recently, too, um, it, between Filmation versus 2000X, which it, it's... <laughs> I, I like that one quite a lot because for me, not being the biggest fan of the 2000X transformation, it, it succinctly helped you go, this is probably why it works for you to see the filmation or this is why it works for you to see the 2000X, depending what you're what you're going to that at some point. Um, I am still holding a torch that um, because James Etock at one point some years ago said that he would uh, make a video where he would basically dissect the filmation transformation and i'd I'd just love to hear him talk about every Hmm. single flash of light from red to (laughs) blue or whatever that happens on and in in the background and which moir effect was used somewhere or um but yeah i i did the intro introduction theme analysis uh where i compared the season one of filmation he-man and then the
Yeah. Yeah. Always. For information and um, that all the information that I did dig up for the 2002 in in Finland at the time it and showing my fan art and color um, that progressed slowly but steadily is what led to Val Staples uh, asking me in 2008 uh, help with the at the time what they thought that would be the last time that MV creations would or the people there would have anything to do with He-Man uh, was the pack in uh, mini comic for the DVD that was episode 40 on the MYP oh, adapted I didn't realize you and I, I I had uh, some pages where I did background colors nice. while Val would concentrate on the uh, actual uh, main mm -hmm. characters and some special effects and all that but I had a small hand in there and um, I, I thought <laughs> for many years that well I got to be <laughs> 2000X uh, voice in Finland and I had a hand in coloring some background art in a mini comic so yeah, that's this would be fun but uh, later then came the Dark Horse books and, uh, and we'll, my we'll get into big those shot in, there in just a second here I'm going to wrap up with that uh, real quick though okay. we got to give ratings here so uh, Yuka lessons uh, we, we do it out of a scale of 10 so 100 <laughs> I had a feeling you. That's were... our first hunt. Actually, you went overboard on one, didn't you? No, I, I, did, I gave one ten out so far. A perfect Rainbow score. Warrior, huh? Rainbow Warrior, wasn't it? Uh, you did a ten, I think, I think on that one. It was Rainbow Warrior, yes. Okay, and, and so we got our first one hundred, though. That's, that's our good. first one hundred. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. This is gonna be my second ten. Like rewatching it today, it holds up. It's got great plot. It doesn't drag. The characters are who we know they are. Um, and it's, it's just a great story. Great, greatly written. The animation is astounding. Uh, that whole battle at the end there. You know, I like, and I like how they were able to get physical in this show. You know, you've got Skeletor just grabbing Orko off the drawbridge and just holding him up there and just about to pummel him. And then He-Man comes in and grabs the arm and everything. It's like, Top notch. 10 out of 10 all the way. <laughs> well, I'm going to be that guy. I, I'm going to give it a 9. Mm. And I, the only reason I'm going to do 9 <laughs> is because I know what's coming down the pike. And there's certain things I love about that stuff as well. That it, it, it elevated it from what Filmation started the ball rolling with to some of the action we get out of 2000X. Because that was a huge thing in 2000X. I loved was... You could get some action in this that you never got before out of a He-Man sure. cartoon. Um, but yeah, this one, I, I almost want to say nine, 9.5 because <laughs> it, it, it really does. It, it, it really does a great job of, of giving you so much in one episode of a lot of the things that would make anyone who loved filmation, but didn't try this show mm -hmm. 
this is the one you could probably go try that episode. And on um, one note about uh, some deleted scenes material that can be found on the script itself, um, when He-Man confronts uh, Skeletor at Skull as he is about to use the Ramstone, originally um, there was a whole group of evil warriors there. You had Evil Lin show up there. And there was Whiplash, Triclops, and even Clawful. And it worked. And it um, had a point where Evelyn first uh, goes into the shadows. And Sorceress doesn't even notice it when she looks outside. Notice that there's like all the evil guys coming up. And... um, so when later in the actual episode she just appears out of nowhere from the shadows, it's sort of uh, looking back on that. And there was a before the first blast from the Ramstone that hit uh, Battle Cat, He-Man was dealing with uh, basically the goons, Triclops, Whiplash, and Clawful, and like deflecting beams and throwing them at trees and stuff so um what you matthew just said there about that it's a great episode because it doesn't miss a beat no. like it's 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 one of those that and it's a it would have been probably a cool action scene but i'm i'm sort of glad they cut it mostly for time i i think but it, it also it's really tightened episode where every scene actually leads the story forward and that's Mm -hmm. something you don't always get in children's animation or even movies so that's why i'm very much on on the side that it's it's one of the if not the best episode of the show yeah and actually that's I, I think it works better honestly it would have been cool to see that fight scene but I think it works better with this being his first assault on Grayskull that comes down to He-Man versus Skeletor basically you've got all your basics oh that evil Lin scene would have helped explain why she just appeared there because that's about the only weird little loose end but she pulled the trick earlier in Zalesia so you don't question it too much um I, I did want to say, I, for, I did forget one other moment that I just wanted to call out here. And that's the fact that we left uh, Man-at-Arms dealing with Trapjaw and Beastman <laughs> at Zalesia. That's right. And then at the end of the episode when Skeletor is, you know, uh, you know, ruining about his defeat at Snake Mountain, you see Trapjaw and Beastman all in uh, bandages and, like, Beastman's licking his wounds literally and... Uh, I like that little sight gag. It's like you didn't have to see the battle between them two, but Man Arms totally whooped both of them. <laughs> and and there's the whole bit where he says like, "I'll call for backup." No, you didn't. Mm-mm. No. Well, that's that's what like I'm saying when we when we get into the later stuff in in uh, the season. I mean, there's that sequence. Uh, I never thought I'd see the day that you had a sequence with Skeletor versus Man at Arms. Yeah. And we get that in 2000X, and when you see what Man-at-Arms pulls out of his... 
he just dropped, you know, he's got yeah. stuff up his sleeve, up his other sleeve, up in his boots, whatever. It's like he's freaking Iron Man versus Thanos <laughs> in that moment. And and every time I get to that part, I'm just sitting there like they let some characters that did not get that kind of cred have those moments on this show. But what you're saying about that action sequence, the thing that I actually like is the action sequence is contained to the guy that you want He-Man to fight the most in this, and Skeletor. And it, I like that this is our first t- – well, we, we got it in the beginning, but this is the first, like, legit feeling of this is what the series is going to be about from here out, especially with the the – the drawbridge, the drawbridge. <laughs> it's like you have that. It's like it starts here. Yeah. It's got that feeling of, okay, anything else? That just that was the beginning of this story. But this is the moment where you got that. Okay, now Grayskull is going to always be under attack because Skeletor has theories. He's he's got questions. Exactly. Oh, great episode! Well, go, going on on that, it's a, it's a whole topic on its own that it, the the show really was mad at arms and the masters of the universe. And there's also this He Man fellow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've well, we've it, gone down that rabbit hole a couple of times. Sean prefers prefers that He Man's a WMD, but yeah, I I honestly don't prefer that. I what I said, what I meant by that was this show. It, I hate to say it, but this show didn't give as much personality to He-Man versus how Filmation did for me. And so I always looked at it in that way where he was viewed as he's our last resort. He's the WMD in this in this battle sequence or something. And usually he was. But I, I, anybody who does complain about it, I'm like, I can't I can't fight you. There is this element of He-Man's a, a little more lacking and it is like. Man at Arms' leadership sometimes it's what takes over and all that versus He-Man being the one kind of being in charge and stuff. But uh, eh, I, I can give or take it, to be honest, because the stories are so solid on this series for me that I'm like, it is what it is. It's a little different. So Absolutely. Um, so now just that's kind of a wrap-up. Uh, Yuka, why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, time working on the Dark Horse books there? Um, and kind of what's coming up with them. You get a extra hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the condensed version a little bit there, but uh, you said you worked on three of them. Uh, yeah. I mean, when the art of He-Man came on, I mean, that was a very big deal and everyone was very excited about it. And mm-hmm. then, the news sort of broke, I think, through a uh, website that sells books. Mm-hmm. They had the early solicitation information that, oh, there's a mini comic collection coming later down the year. Yeah. So, and that, that like took everyone by surprise and, um, it it raised a lot of questions with people. They on they were talking about that. Well, will it have everything and all the mini comics? And what order will they be production or some story chronological or and and like I, I kept seeing people make those comments on on Facebook and forums and whatnot. And I um, after a couple of days, I was sort of bold and crazy enough that I 
contacted the editor at Dark Horse. I had uh, previously already talked with him when the art of He-Man was coming out. I, I had sent some 2000X uh, cartoon images. Uh, I only had some low-resolution images, and I, I said that these were by such and such artist that if you guys can get some contact information for him and get maybe some good quality images, these might be interesting. There were some uh, royal palace shots and uh, ancient Skull images, but uh, I forget if that went really anywhere, but I had already talked with him. So when the mini-comic information came out that, oh, there's a book coming and all that, so I just sent them a note that, hey, will it will it be such and such and will you include this? And did you know that there's like a 10-page version versus 13-page version of this mini-comic and just <laughs> all these very fanboyish things and... They, they were very gracious <laughs> in that. I mean, some, someone cold calling them basically. And I mean, that's sort of frowned upon in some circles. You just yeah. you don't do that. You don't just go up to people. And so they, they were very nice enough about it that I was just this fan interested and giddy about the whole thing. And uh, later maybe two days, three days, Val Staples contacts me and he says that I heard that you <laughs> went and sent them email. Um, I'm handling this project. So what suggestions did you have? What did you talk about? And then I was saying all the same stuff that, well, there's like uh, so many different things and are you guys going to be doing this and this and this and what about this and this and this? And, and he was like, yeah, everything's already, we've, we've got it covered. We're like full ahead and restoring these and I, we already have all the collections and we don't need any more. And so... Uh, I think later in some Skype discussion, a couple weeks later, he he was like, well, we already have all these now and anything pop into your mind that should there be, is, is there any mini comics that we sort of missed out or <clears throat> something like that? And I was like, um, you, you have it all. I mean, you, you're, they, they had the, uh, approach that any anything that was packaged with a comic uh with a toy right. that they would put those in so that's why you sadly don't see something like the 2000x um mini comic which was with the game boy yep. uh I mean, I had that one. yeah but uh they they could get some of the ones that were with the toys and um i Remember at the time still being uh, loving all the BCI DVDs that had come out in like 2005 to 2008. And in those, uh, whenever there was a like the chapter scene, you had the little trivia there. Yeah. In this episode, this name stems from a famous singer or here we have first time Orko showing his face without a hat and which is all basically James E. Token, I think, on Shira, Alex Hawkey, yeah. who went to 
help James write the animated guide. Um, but that, that was like my approach that, well, I really liked all the trivia and behind the scenes information on the DVDs for the, so can you put something for the mini comics? Like, do you have anything to like, it's, it's one of those cases where I'm interested in that. Hey, I'd love to learn more about this. Like, can you, can you provide this that mm. I, that like, why is this character such and such color in the mini comic, but the toy is different and is like, I, I'm hoping someone would just give me the information that I want to know. But Val was then like, well, if you can put up uh, some list of these things that would be, <laughs> and you can, you can send it to me. I, I'll, I can try and no promises or anything. Cause there, there's no sections for that. There's, there's no extra pages where like we're, we're booked on everything. <laughs> and, um, I spent like, couple weeks on it just going through all the mini comics and uh, looking over things and taking notes and uh, had help from a couple german fans who are very knowledgeable about these things and they they got credited in the book as well and um i um, put together a list and sent it and they they said that well we can find a way to may, maybe it'll be in the gutters or mm -hmm. somewhere. We'll we'll think about it. I, my my first idea was that maybe ev before every mini comic there would be a single blank page yeah. where all the information would be. So when I was like doing the first drafts on them, the, I never specified too much that which page or which panel something was happening. I was like, in, in this mini-comic, this character is used with the concept name. Mm -hmm. So, but then later, uh, when it got approved, uh, they showed me that, well, we'll put it at the very bottom of all the pages. And that's when I realized that, oh, I actually have to be more specific about that in this page and in the here panel, something, something happens and, and try and be as descriptive as I could. Though some of them still got put maybe like a page too far on, on before or later. So they, they don't always match. Uh, had had I known it, it was going to be that sort of format, I, I probably would have tried finding something on every other page to <laughs> just <laughs> add some text because the, the mini-comics are, are such a wonderful time capsule. I, I think are. I've said it a couple times before. It, it really shows the evolution of, of the stories, of the people working on them, and just all the, all the concepts, and, and you get to see how the toys looked before the final action figure but you never knew why it was mm -hmm. until you see actual concept art that came in the art of he-man or other sources that have great been awesome that we've gotten them online from people like mark taylor or whatever from you know, battle ram blog is one of those cases and foundation and just yeah. all that stuff it it really helps illustrate that what was the thinking behind everything and it, it's it's a reason why many things are the way they are because everything was in such a flux at the time but there are still mysteries i'd like to see <laughs> like yeah how I did some concept art look and what the color schemes were and 
And I gotta thank you because the trivia parts of everything are one of my favorite parts, and especially that mini comic collection. Um, I remember thumbing through it even before I sat down and reread all the old mini comics. I was just thumbing through it, just looking at the trivia, like, "Oh, look, they talked about this. I knew that. I didn't know that." You know, so <laughs> it, it it took it to a next level. I'm glad. I'm glad you hounded Val about that. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, put his foot forward there and <laughs> and made it happen. So I'm I'm very happy about it because the book basically sells itself. Oh, I yeah. mean, it has like all the vintage mini comics and some of the newer ones, and there's unseen mini comic and unreleased scripts and just everything. So mm-hmm. it had had I never contacted anyone, it it would have still been and awesome product yeah. that everyone should have on their shelf and recently I actually learned that Val mentioned it on the forums that it's gotten reprinted like six times yeah. and it's the most reprinted one of the uh, Dark Horse books so it, it warms Very the heart nice. and um, that led to the newspaper strips uh, that came uh, where Danielle Galerter mm-hmm. was uh, handling it mostly. Um, I helped uh, get some Greek um, papers where they had the new strip, uh, newspaper strips. So they had some more color versions because some countries colored them differently from others. So I got a small note there in in. Uh, Danielle was very kind. She wrote in her introduction piece and mentioned me there. I I think I was uh, mentally prepared that maybe they'll just put my name somewhere in, in like special yeah. thanks section. Very, 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 very small print, but <laughs> Danielle actually mentioned mentioned me there. So oh, she's a great she's uh, a great lady. Very nice. Very kind. Mm-hmm. You should get her on this podcast. I. I hope we could land her somewhere. She's she's actually about the second person who reached out to me after you. So um, mm-hmm. it only felt right to have you as a first guest host. But I I wouldn't be surprised if we can't lure your uh, Danielle on here uh, one of these days. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then and she that, can't uh, do this episode though because I know she's an Orco fan. But we already stole her thunder on this one for two thousand. If anything, so. <laughs> we'd probably try and get her in to talk about the newspaper strips because I know that was a project for her. I mean, she had to go mm-hmm. all the way around the world, basically, uh, mm-hmm. not herself, but with uh, fans like Yuka and, and some other guys there here and there. She she went all around the world trying to gather all those together. It's that's a saga in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It's a story worth telling. Hopefully, I, I get to hear it at some point. Yeah. And um, well, at the, at the time they they were fully making the books. They they had the animated guide from James, mm-hmm. who had done the majority of the work already with his un, unofficial yep. guide. So, but the added and updated information is is very much appreciated. And and the pictures. <laughs> yeah, the 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 pretty pictures. That helps. A <laughs> it's a, it's a awesome addition, and um, from from there they had the which seemed at the time that might be the last book that will get a character guide, and they, they, that's like for for me it it is right up my alley. I mean, yes. I be. 
um, had a hand I, that cover is uh, something I laid out. Uh, there, there's a whole story that I wanted to get the Alfredo Alcala image in the smaller thumbnail images because uh, it had been on the bigger picture earlier, but I, I looked at the earlier re- releases of the books and noticed that no Alcala image had been in one of those smaller images. So I, I was like that we need to get that there. And then I made suggestions on the filmation and new adventures and MYP. And at the time, the DC Comics was still very much on everyone's mind. So they there was an awesome image there that sort of bookends everything. Uh, I, at one point, I tried to suggest as many images where He-Man's face would be like almost looking in the same direction, mm-hmm. but then New Adventures is looking kind of backwards <laughs> on them, so it's yeah. like it's already its own bookend there. And obviously the um, William George art it was a great one to have because we already had gotten the Earl Norum one so William George was a shoe in but it also just happened to be a great uh, poster artwork that showcased so many characters and I, I think it it was a good way to establish that this is what this book is about uh, there, there were some ideas where it would be like maybe um, just the main characters and right. World of Eternia somewhere in the background and some some of this information is in Spanish on the Mundo Masters image where <laughs> the mag- magazine where they yeah. uh, had an interview with me, but uh, not everyone speaks <laughs> Spanish, so this is one way to get that info out there. But yeah, that uh, that was a culmination for me that um, there there would be character guide with just figures, vehicles, locations, mm-hmm. spells, and just everything. And that we were not going to be like trying to make it into a narrative like bios on, on classics. It was that <laughs> each canon will get their own respect in a way. And that's, that's and what it, I love it would be. It. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's the best, best way in this situation to, I think, to really hone in that how you showcase all of these. It's a, it's, it's not just mini comics and, and filmation. And actually the, the filmation image uh, on the cover was something that Val suggested. I, I think I had other uh, image, something from Transformation, I, I think, that I tried to pitch in, but he felt that he meant looking at the viewer would look much nicer, and he was right. Oh, yeah. And, um, the end result is perfect, and it's it's never far from me, especially with this podcast going on. I've always got it with, within an arm's reach here, so in, in case I don't know something, I can quickly look it up and it's it's everything I ever wanted out of a, a, a He-Man book, and and something I never thought would happen to the extent, um, to where I mean, you know, you guys go into the the Magic Boy comics and the German stuff and Ladybird, and it's like, you know, I just flipped to a page where the cow from the '87 movie uh, has his own little <laughs> thing. It's like, uh, no. it. 
Oh. It's it's a pipe dream that I also had yeah. when I was younger. That I mean, because I, I, I've I've seen that there there are like those character guides for Capcom mm-hmm. char- characters and or turtles or GI Joe Transformers yeah. or Star Wars that have visual guides and right. well, well they have a whole book series for the trash can that moves <laughs> around in the Death Star yeah. and it's it's like. It's it's something that I I hoped He Man would achieve at some point that there could be information about these things and well I am still sort of hoping that at some point we would get uh, comics that would be like very just short character driven um, maybe like how DC did there they had these uh, Superman digital comics. Uh, where all the like rec- restrictions at the time were off, like movies had the no pants thing, and the comics also were like the or the the underpants, however you. But like they they did these uh, digital only comics that later were collected in trades. But all, all the writers, artists, they were given like free reign that you can do whatever version of Superman, and like you can and just very short little stories where you showcase what the inner strength of the character is and how the world works and and i think in one of the podcasts from way back then i I think i mentioned that is something i'd like for he-man that you could have a little comic story where we would just deal with some side character in a Star Wars sort of fashion that we would learn more about them and and it doesn't need to be like this deep lore thing or it doesn't have to have like, oh, now Grayskull blows up again yeah. for the third time. It, it's like, but um, we'll, we'll have to see if the fandom and the general public will take upon He-Man with the, yeah. as more actually toys get on retail and the two Netflix shows and uh, and uh, yeah going yeah. back on the Dark Horse thing um, the last I've heard I mean I'm, I'm still I'm also in the dark yeah. <laughs> to a degree yes, but so we got something even exciting coming hopefully by the end of the year right <laughs> we'll we'll have to see how things pan out if it's uh, I think pixel Dan mentioned it on patreon or something somewhere and um that the toy guide that he and val has have been doing and teasing people for mm-hmm. months and months and months um which i think covers a lot like from the 80s he-man to new adventures and she-ra figures and the classics i mean mm-hmm. not not sure they, they don't probably touch like any merchandise stuff and they don't go too deep into variants as i recall val mentioned that um it's it, so no nobody should have like high expectations that there's like 17 he-man variants yeah like <laughs> uh, the, mentioned in, in the book like the country of origin type of things like they're not showing taiwan and malaysia and all that but i think i think other yeah. than that it'll probably it'll probably hit all the big points but then again, the Val's been known to surprise us before with going a little more in depth than you expect. So we'll we'll have to see. I'm I'm very excited for that, and 
there was a new book where I got to help, which uh, will be a supplemental edition for the character guide. So that's um, what I'm excited about. <laughs> so so er- everything that we didn't have time or space or just access or something at the time in the character guide and world compendium uh we've in- included in the supplemental so it's it's getting really really into the very niche of obscure things that just and and also some corrections that um what might have been typoed or uh misplaced in the original book so this nice, will nice. uh have a chance to correct the that information as well it'll it'll be a bit smaller book because uh, it's there there's not all that much stuff to cover and uh i think daniel is still looking for some italian comics on a <laughs> weekly basis <laughs> i don't know and trying to get them translated but um the toy guide is the is the big deal and um i i think it'll be available everywhere uh the supplemental as much as i've heard is it'll be sold online and it'll be like a pack in that if you buy the toy guide you can get the supplemental um hopefully val will at some point have more details about it uh this whole pandemic is Throwing some things off and probably pushing some deadlines, but uh, we'll we'll see where we stand at the end of the year. And uh, the solicitations uh, are still something that Dark Horse will put out in in their own pace. Right. So we'll have to wait for them to make the first move. Yep, but we're we're excited for it. I can't wait. So, well, that's. That's this. That's been an episode. I think we've ran the gamut, and uh, you know, I want to personally thank Yuka for coming on here. Um, it was a great episode. Nice to talk to you uh, in person, uh, finally. And um, Sean, any wrap up thoughts, questions, anything? Uh, thank you, uh, thank you, Yuka, for uh, being on today and. Um, it's always a pleasure to talk 2000X for me. So it was, it was extra special to go, Ooh, guess there's and 2000X. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, um, so no, no worries there. And honestly, you know, we hope we can get you back on sometime yes. again, talk about maybe your second favorite 2000X yeah. or some of your favorite filmation, whichever way you want to go. We'll, dealer's choice. We'll basically. get him on to talk about all the, all the, uh, the ideas about season three. That's what we'll get him on for. I'm going to be, I need plenty of Kleenex for how much I'll be crying listening to all that because it was bad enough the other week when I heard uh, Scott Knightlick going, yeah, we were going to do 2000 after <laughs> filmation. And I'm like, no, yeah, why it, are you doing this to If me? we ever touch that subject of what could have been, we definitely got to get Yuka back on. Otherwise, we'll just be sending out wrong information again. Probably. <laughs> I mean, hell, I, I, I showed my true colors today. I, I thanked him for, uh, the assist there but yeah he was like wait a minute you forgot this whole but i'm like that's my favorite part how did i forget that oh yeah okay so yeah so thank you also for that as well thank you for the assist and helping me out and real quick i did want to especially thank yuka and i almost forgot about it he did design our newly updated legends of grayskull podcast logo that i've been using for the main image and everything 
And that's just out of the kindness of man's heart. I'm just like, I'm, I'm chilling with my family one day and a message pops up from him and he's like, Hey, look at this. And I'm like, that's awesome. Can I, <laughs> can I use that for the podcast? And he's like, sure. So yeah. Thank you, Yuka, for the support, for the graphic, for coming on with us. It's, it's been a blast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. It's um, been a very, very long time since I was in a podcast and, uh, maybe people have forgotten me. That's why I'm starting up the videos again this year, and uh, some new uh, series will be coming out there. And he's got uh, some good these stuff. guys here have gotten a small glimpse of it, but they can't say anything about it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. But you guys, I'm looking will forward enjoy to it. seeing more. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll enjoy it, and I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, all the uh, things you're going to cover with that. Mm-hmm. So we'll just, we'll leave it at that. Yep. <laughs> I'll put, put in a good word. Maybe I'll get into that council of the first ones podcast, which I've never been part of yeah. any which way. Oh, okay. That's surprising. Cause they, they've interviewed just you. about everybody else. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, like we, we've, we've, we've talked to Melanie Britt. We've talked to, uh, William Stout. We talked to, uh, both both Roger Sweet and uh, Mark Taylor and Rebecca Taylor and yeah. all this. We, we've had a ton of people, and it's like, it's amazing you haven't been on that. So I'll definitely bring it up to Renee and say, hey, he, he's looking yeah. to, you know, maybe be on the show at some point, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm sort of no pulling problem. your leg. I, I was part of the starting oh. formation. Oh, well, I'll still mention it because <laughs> the fact that you're doing your, your videos, though, that that would be something that I'm sure they'd like to talk about because they even brought Scott on yeah. when uh, he he started his Spectre Creative videos. Now, I so. honestly, I didn't start listening to Council until Sean actually joined it. So that is one I missed somehow throughout. The, I listened to uh, Masters Cast a little bit, Rose Google, obviously your comic cast. Um, yeah, but for some reason, somehow Council the first one slipped by me all those years. So otherwise, and all of. I'll also apologize because podcasts have only been something I jumped into three years ago. Yeah. Like in any way, shape or form. So for me, it's like, you know, I, I know there has been other ones who like Rose Google, like you said, and some of the other ones from before, but I, if they're not on iTunes where I can access them easily it, when I do my searches, I'm not getting them right now. Yeah. So I know there's a history and I feel bad. I wasn't a part of a lot of that. So. All right. Uh, Yuka, anything else you want to plug, say, anything? Um, share this video, like and subscribe and <laughs> co- co- comment. I need to grow the channel. There's roughly over 1,000 subscribers, but Scott has also basically gone over that amount, so I need to get... <laughs> Absolutely. A fast one on him or something. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm making more videos. Uh, I had a hiatus with real life uh, for oh, yeah. some years, but um, getting back on track now, and um, uh, hopefully we'll find a proper schedule at some point. This uh, pandemic also yeah. sort of has uh, affected many of aspects in there. But um, I have uh, so many topics I want to be doing and uh, always looking forward to people commenting because I've uh, had some very good ideas from just 
people like you, they just come up to me and, and ask something that, hey, have you talked about this or whatever? And it's, it's a good inspiration to always continue working. And I'm especially trying to hone my editing skills because uh, my earlier videos, they, they, they were very lackluster the editing program was uh, good for the time but it's it's very simple techniques and uh currently i'm trying to learn something new every time and a bit more finesse and uh we'll we'll see how it goes the um people uh, have seemed to in- enjoy them and um oh, amazing. we'll see where it all goes and by the time we get the to Netflix animated shows. Mm-hmm. I'll try to cover those on my videos. I'd, I'd love to do proper analysis videos. There, there was this whole time on YouTube where they did like video essays of yeah. film and whatever. And, uh, and I'm like so jealous of all those people because they had very uh, awesome uh narration uh and the points that they would make and the editing and just everything was something that i strive to with my own own stuff but um more more origin videos will be coming the name at some point used to be scrolls of eternia but i've um had i've had to sort of let that go i uh, because at at one point I wasn't sure if <laughs> somebody would come after me for using it. So yeah. the ch- channel is uh, simply Tunjuka, and uh, I'll have segments where the name might be whatever, but yeah. I won't be actually using a trademarked name as the whole video thing. So sure. trying to be careful there. The YouTube things also are interesting because I, I use a whole lot of uh, cartoon materials and such, but um, need to go around it so the <laughs> won't claim any of that. I've uh, learned my lessons there as well. But um, Yeah, we're, we're playing it fast and loose over here if... Uh... Someone pulls us down, then I'll change some stuff. But you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh, it's how the nature of the beast yeah. works. But um, more more stuff is coming, and uh, awesome. thank you for having me on this podcast, so I can shill about all that stuff. <laughs> and um, shout out to all the people on Hema.org and Battle Ram Blog, who's also been very supportive. And yep, and I'll have links all to that. all that down below. Um, I'm going to pretty much echo uh, Yuka right now uh, because I'm only hovering around like 50 subscribers. So <laughs> please like, share, subscribe, ring that bell so you know when something premieres. Uh, go visit Toon Yuka first and do him first, but then come back and do us. Um, and yeah, if you drop a comment down below. It helps us grow the channel, and we like to hear what people are thinking. We don't like to talk to the void, so... And who knows if you if you message me and correct me, maybe you'll be on the show someday, like Yuka. There you go. <laughs> so thank, that's one way to do it. That's it. So uh, thank you, Sean. Thank you, Yuka. This has been an absolute blast. And until next time. Until next time. Good journey.
<laughs> I knew he was going to mess with us somehow. I just, I just knew. Well, it, we got so. all aspects covered. It's okay. We're all good. 